Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Good morning. Welcome to Summer Breakfast. Julian DeStoop and Simon O'Donnell with you once more. I won't talk about the weather and whether it's cloudy or sunny uh, like I did yesterday, uh, Simon, because uh, that was a bit embarrassing, but uh, good morning after what's been a pretty dramatic uh, 24 hours in sport. Good morning, Simon. Morning, Jules. How you going? Nice to be here. Yeah. Bit breezy out there this morning. Is it a bit breezy? Yeah, you can generally tell where the breeze is blowing. Yes, you, you feel can. it. Yeah, you don't have to look at it, breeze. No, you don't have to look up. Windy. And... Mm. It's overcast. It's pitch black. Mm. Uh, morning to you. Uh, I don't know. What's the controversy? No, dramatic. Oh, you had an NFL player collapsing and getting CPR. Yeah, and yeah, then obviously... Uh, not comparing yes. the two because one is literally uh, life and death. But uh, what we saw in the BBL last night, the man cad, bit of drama, bit of tension between the Stars and the Renegades. Good for the competition. Yeah, a bit of booing. I wonder why they booed. It's a pretty strong boo, wasn't it? From a, it was a strong given boo. it was a predominantly Melbourne Stars crowd, you would think that included some Melbourne Stars fans that weren't happy with what Adam Zampa did. What stopping a bloke at a three meter head start? Mm. I don't understand. Well, I, I think that's. I think it's quite legal. Mm. I never knew the vertical arm rule was there. I had no idea. When did that come in? We need to find that out. Hopefully, Ian Smith will be able to tell us a bit later. It's going to be new, I reckon. Uh, I don't know. I was the same. The I was watching. Go. Why are they going to the third umpire? He's clearly out. Yeah. He's clearly out of his crease. So, yeah, I, I thought. Oh, well, it's done. He's out. And then, whoops! Hang on. I oh, know his arm was gone through with the bowling action. I thought, when did that come in? Yeah. I didn't even knew that rule existed. Nah, neither did I. So it exists and that was the way it is, but I thought Adam Zampel was well within his rights to stop Tom Rogers from doing that. The bit that fascinates me is that Dave Hussey, yes. the coach, said no matter what happened, we would have, I would have elected to call him back. I'm not sure Adam Zampa was thinking that. Oh, Adam Zampa definitely wasn't thinking that. <laughs> I don't think they're on so the same the page coach there. And the captain, I don't think they were reading the same fine print uh, as each other once it happens. That's the interesting probably bit for me, that it's not the way we want to play. You think, wow, okay, well, what, are we just going to let the opposition mm. take off before you bowl it and give them a four-metre advantage? Huss, we're not going to do that. Mm. And you want captain and coach on the same page, don't you? But I just don't see how... You just let a side get away with that. Mm. And if, if we go down Huss's trail, that's exactly what we're mm. doing. So, look, fellas, we're not going to man you, so it doesn't matter. Just take off. Or does he mean that – because I don't think there was a warning. Or from, doing it within the rules. There was no warning from Zampa to – don't Rogers. have to I know, but maybe that's what David Hussey was it's thinking. cheating. Why does he have to bowl it from the full hey, I'm with length you. of the pitch? I agree. I find it fascinating how people keep sticking up for the bloke who isn't watching the ball – isn't paying attention to the rules of the game, yet we're all held to account by them. Mm. But the non-striker isn't. Stuff the non-striker, I say. No, I agree. He's, he's trying to get an advantage. Cheery, cheery Biopel. And I thought 
again, Adam Zampa explained it really well in the paper this morning. And he got to the ball before when he shouldn't have. Because mm. he, he, he took a two and a half, three metre advantage. Yeah, he didn't want he wanted to be off strike. Oh, so I, he, thought, I thought it was a ripper. I thought it was great. Good, good for the good on you, Zamps. Good for the competition. Hey, you know what Zamps does? Spits too much. Spitter. But lots. Mm. Not a great look, the is it? The camera was on him a lot last night. Mm. It's just a little... Mm. And you think, I want him to stop that. It's a bad look. <laughs> it's not a great look, the, the serial spitter, is it? Yeah, it's mm. just one of those little... I reckon it's a habit that he doesn't know he does. One of those things that he... Just he yeah, I'm sure he, yeah. Un, you it's know, an it's unconscious thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Ugh, no, not know, nice. Bad look. Well, he might have poked the wrong bear, Adam Zampa. He did he a Dean Jones. Curtly Ambrose. He's come bang on bang. Best figures in BBL history for a renegade. Five for 16. Stars got thumped in the end. So might have turned the game into some sort of strange mm. way. Well, I, I, I thought it was good. Puts, um, it's good to put the cheaters on notice that we're there. We're ready for you. And now we won't roll the arm over. We'll just go into our bowling action and take mm. the bars off and say cheery bye. <laughs> Gates over there. Well, as your uh, as your uh, new man at St Kilda, Ross Lyon, would always say, is this a, a classic case of um, execute one to educate a thousand? Is that what's happening here? Let's just bring it into the consciousness, and then the bats, the batters, will have to think about doing it. Yeah. We've had Stark, and now we've had Zampa. I like that. Stark like and Zampa get on the phone. Are they mates? They're both from New South Wales. Well, the good thing about Zampa is because he's a spinner, he hasn't got the momentum of Stark. Stark probably has to do it as he's going into his action. Yeah, correct. Just knock him over mm. without sort of trying to going into the full action and having to come back to the stumps. He's got to do it as he goes into his action. Um, whereas Zamps can stop. He doesn't have the same momentum. He says, cheery bye to Tommy yeah. Rogers. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you later. So we'll play the how it all unfolded uh, shortly. But we mentioned there that he might have uh, – Poke the wrong bear, the Melbourne Stars captain. So Tom Rogers comes back, gets a wicket with the first ball. They were three for 11. He had the first three wickets. He ends up with five for 16. So he faced the, the press afterwards as the captain of the Melbourne Stars. And he was asked, Adam Zampa, did he, uh, did he fire up uh, Tommy Rogers from the Renegades? Yeah, maybe he did. I said that to him at the end of the game. I said, did I, did I fire you up, buddy? Um, yeah, he bowled, he bowled really well. He, um, yeah, I, I don't know if, if I did fire him up, but yeah, he... he um, he was definitely the pick of the bowlers tonight. Yep. Mm. I mean, definitely good fired was. him up. Uh, good win for the Renegades uh, in the end. Takes him up to third on the table. Stars uh, languishing in, in seventh. Two and five. I, I thought at the halfway mark, the Stars had done pretty well. They kept them pretty, pretty low total. Yeah, they, should, I, they should get yep, that. Yep. I, I, must, I, I agree. I agree. I thought, yep. My main amazing thing, and we were looking at I remember during the 2020 World Cup, those batters one and two are so important mm. to you getting a good total. It just it, 99 times out of 100, if one of those two get through to a 15 or 17 overs, you're getting a really good high ones maybe into a twos total. But if they don't and you know, you're chasing your tail from the start, it's really hard to get that momentum if you come in over four and you're, you know, you're one for 16. Gee, it's tough mm. to turn that around. Really Sean Marsh, another soft tissue injury last night. He's had a lot. He's unlucky yeah. with his body. Mitch is he's out. Yeah, too. Mitch he's is out his, as well. What did he have his ankle done, didn't he, or something? Yeah, yeah. so he's not playing he's any BBL. Had some ankle pain. Mm. Um, mm. Might, yeah, Sean's not getting any younger, is he? No, no, no. 
Very unlucky. 30-odd last night. Mm. Seemed to be hitting them all right. Then didn't take the field. Not a good day for uh, young Sean. Uh, good day for the BBL, really. You got 40,000 there. It's a good crowd. Controversy, which it needs. Love it. And uh, the announcement early in the day that uh, when this new rights deal comes in, um, season drops from 61 to 43 games. Mm. That's a good thing. Yeah, good thing. Less is more. Yep, less is more. Mm. Maybe attracts a little more international interest now mm-hmm. with lesser games, lesser period of time yep. to be committed. So I, I think that all works well. Uh, it's good to see everyone's you know friendly again. Seven's padding. Cricket Australia on the back. Mm-hmm. Cricket Australia is patting seven on the back, mm. and we're all friends. What about uh, the statement from uh, Paramount yesterday saying they never actually officially put a bid in? Well, they probably don't want their brand trashed. Oh, like it's come being trashed, on. No right? one's going to believe that. Who's believing they didn't actually put a bid in? But you're saying you don't believe it. They come out and make a statement, and you just say it's untrue. I do. So, <laughs> And so, I think most people would say the same. Well, and maybe so. But so what's the point? They don't want to be beaten by a rival, so they, they, they'd rather we say got, we didn't, we know we didn't you put got, in the whole We know you got bid. beaten. If you're a we passionate don't. Paramount fan, don't you want to see your, your boys in there having a go? Passionate Paramount <laughs> fans. Not sure they've got that club going yet, the passion, <laughs> passionate Paramount fan. I'll tell you what Paramount will do in 10 years' time. They'll be running the show, or one of their mates will be. We spoke about that. Yeah, we did. Yep, the streaming services. Don't know know how the others keep going. Mm. The money is not. uh, It is not there. So So I wouldn't be kicking Paramount. You might. I'm not kicking Paramount. Might just need them at some stage. You and I, Jules. You know, probably will. (laughs) To hang out with them a bit. You know what I'm saying? What's this coming through from Tony? Uh, Julian, well, now, of course, yesterday we spoke about uh, you know what is there more interest in the EPL or the NFL. You thought people would say the NFL, and in the end, the poll suggested that the EPL was slightly more popular. Uh, soccer expert. Julian Simon, on his show last night, uh, of course, the uh, Sporting Flame, was asked by Smitty, are you interested in the NFL? Simon's reply, a passing interest. This after the brouhaha of Simon and Tom Brady yesterday wanting NFL updates. Tony and East Bentley. Say that again. <laughs> So he's just suggesting you said on the Sporting Flame last night that you're, you've only got a passing interest in the NFL. I am Even not, though you I'm were not. very passionate about Tom Brady yesterday. Well, only passionate about Tom Brady because of his partner, his new partner. I did see that. Yeah. He's moved on, he's moved on quickly. So be assured, I wasn't, you know, I, I love Tom Brady, what he does, but I don't watch all the, the Buccaneers he's with, isn't he? That's right. I don't watch all their games no. and I didn't watch all... The New Orleans, or what was the other one? The um, I've got the hat on. You've got the hat on, and you got you don't even know the name of the called? team. Yeah. The New England Patriots. That's it. That's mm. the one. You got the new, new bit, Orleans, right? You got the, the new, new bit, line, right? So I thought you'd barrack for New Orleans. Passionate about it. We, Jimmy and I mentioned yesterday. He was sort of because of his partner. Mm. Tom's. She's twenty six. He was never going to be short of offers. Tom got a bit going for him. Yeah, well, mm. probably got. About half as much going for him as he used to have. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but I was talking about, you know, um, he's quite genetically blessed. Oh, Tom. Okay, I think women okay, find okay, Tom okay, gotcha, quite gotcha. easy on the mm-hmm, eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, yes, Tom, well, I find Tom easy on the eye. He is. He's a good-looking man. Yeah, There's good nothing wrong with saying that. But no, it was that. so that's that was the mm. context we were talking about 
Tom yesterday. Mm. Oh, you were carrying on like a two-bob watch, like you were a I big NFL fan. On. I just wanted to see what was more important, you know, what people mm. enjoyed more. Because mm. we also discussed yesterday that it's if you're not a dyed-in-the-wool fan of EPL, it's hard to find it. Just get an Optus Sports subscription. What's, no, I haven't got one. No, I'm not saying, but it's not hard to get one if you're a fan. Just goes and backs up what we were talking about, that the world's going to change. Mm. It is changing. It is changing. Now, the world changed uh, for uh, a young man by the name of Daniel Beckman yesterday at the Portsea Pro-Am. So when we spoke to Brendan Goddard yesterday, we spoke about the prizes. One was a $60,000 car, Mm. and the other one was 100000 bucks. And Daniel Beckman uh, nailed it. He's going to join us uh, later on in the show. He's described it as life-changing, and I guess for a... Pro trying to make his way, a hundred grand is significant cash, uh, and he's got an interesting backstory. Ian Smith, a uh, former uh, opponent of yours, SEN cricket commentator, is going to join us as we build up to the the uh, the third test. Still don't know the Australian lineup, which is uh, normally declared the day before by the captain, who didn't want to declare it yesterday. Yeah, I think we're we're no bowling. Scotty's out. I think the I don't think we're going to get the wild think, thing either. Yeah, I think Scotty's out. I don't think we. No, I don't think we can get the wild thing. Josh is in. Scotty's out. Renshaw's in. Renshaw's Agar's in. in. Agar's in. Mm. That'll be that. It's too nice a bloke, Pat Cummins. He, he, when he tries to lie, he's not very good at it. This was him yesterday. Uh no, I don't. Today, um, yeah, 2023, doing things a bit differently. Um, no, we're, we're we're settled on our 11, but we're just going to let everyone know. You're not going to tell us? Is that the strategic reason? Oh, it's more make sure all the players know first and, um, yeah, we'll probably announce it tomorrow at the toss. I think it's a bit different to most Aussie wickets. Um, so, yeah, we're, you know, especially with a couple of injuries, um, you know, missing Green in particular, try and have to dice it up a, a bit differently. Um, but, no, we're, we're pretty confident with the hour 11. What do you make of that? I make it that... Just to add a bit of spice to his press conferences these days, he just makes sure he does it in front of the roller. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. Got to have the rolling noise the roll. in the background. Make sure you know you're at a cricket pitch and it's being prepared for a big match. There you go. Mm. You need to do what AFL coaches do. Just just lie. Oh, we haven't had match committee yet. And then they mentioned 10 blokes' names that aren't even in the frame. They're not playing. They know they're not playing. But just to keep the theatre going. <clears throat> So uh, anyway, we think we know the 11. Uh, as we just said, uh, Renshaw, uh, Agar, no Boland. Hazelwood comes back in. No Morris. Uh, that's the way it looks like it is going to go. Also joining us on the show today, the Bay Crits. What a finish. Fairy tale finish for Brenton Jones. Won the stage yesterday and uh, uh, won by the barest margins. Uh, his opponent, well, not opponent, but nearest rival. Uh, who was the guy that won the stage the day before? Uh, Frizzly. If he finished second, he would have knocked him off. He finished third by nothing. Right on the line, got nubbed, and it went to a count back, and because Jones won two stages and Fritzley won one, Jones wins. So his final event goes out a winner, wins it for the second time after last winning it in 2014. So well done to Brenton Jones. He will join us uh, later on the show. Just a reminder before we go to the break, too, this summer, play Who's Got the Power with Tyre Power and SEN. Just guess the number of boundaries. In each test, that's hard to do. And you could win a $100 ballpark entertainment voucher and a $100 tyre power voucher. Place your guess now at Uh, 
Dot.com.au. Uh, this is Summer Breakfast with Julian DeStoop. Matthew Cox is back on the buttons after a solid performance yesterday. Very, very solid. And I'm so- listen- yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast. I missed yesterday oh, on his show. So. Mm. Listen to it on the drive home. And uh, Simon O'Donnell. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back to the show. Simon, I'm a bit worried about the weather in Sydney today. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much cricket we're going to get in. Uh, 10 to 20 mils today, 5 to 10 on Friday, says uh, Donnie off the 40 Winks temper. Get involved. Uh, 0433 98 11 16, Consumer's Choice winner. Temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. So uh, let's hope Sydney's weather's a bit kinder than the forecast. Yeah, the bomb is saying mid-morning this morning those showers are going to start in Sydney. Mm. Let's, fingers crossed, that's not the case. Enough of rain interfering with sport. Mm. Happens a bit up in Sydney. It, it crucified the 2020 World Cup. Oh, absolutely. Just, just flattened it. Mm. Still a good tournament, but yeah, no, it made it, yeah, made it difficult. Uh, Go away. Now, this is a challenge for the stats gurus out there, like a Sir Swamp Thing, uh, who's very good. Uh, Tom Rogers bowled Tom Rogers last night. Mm. How often would that happen? I would venture to say that could be the first. It could time. be. <laughs> if anyone knows the answer, uh, send it through. Zero well, Tom four double three. Rogers is Ringwood that got bowled. Yes, that's right. He's Ringwood opening back. Tom Rogers, the Tasmanian. Mm. Mm. So I wouldn't think they've played against each other before. I don't think so. So I'm going to go with first time ever. Sure, could be. Yeah, probably. That's probably the favourite. Are you saying same name, same name? Yeah, same name, same that name. Make, so it was, it, no, it could be Ian Smith, Ian JDS, Smith. JDS, JDS. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, it's probably unlikely that it's happened before. Anything ever? Did you ever fire up the wrong person in sport? Uh, give us a call as well. One three hundred seven three six. Uh, seven three six. If you if you ever fired up the wrong person in a, in a game of sport, or, or others that have done the same thing, Dean Jones immediately came to mind last night with Curtly Ambrose poking the wrong bear at the wrong time. Did you ever do it? I was, I, look, just a little poke one day to Clive Lloyd in Adelaide. Just a little poke, little poke from a little smart Alec. You, yeah. you poked the next Clive, one. You poked Clive Lloyd. I poked him. Poked him. How? Clive. I just poked him. What did you say? I or poked do? him. The next two went back over my head at quite a rapid rate, <laughs> and they were quite low flying. Right. I think there was an intention there to an actual intention there to hurt me, which I, I thought was out of order from Clive. <laughs> Stiff cheddar. Well, what did you say to him? I can't remember what I said, but why would you do that? I didn't say anything to him ever, ever, ever. Why again. would you do it to Clive Lloyd? I don't know. He, he must have annoyed me, mm. or I annoyed him, and he said something to me, and I said he something back. I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but I poked him the wrong way, and he he tried he hit missiles at me. He must have been which a was unfair. Real spring chicken playing against Clive Lloyd. It was mm. what teenager, late teens. Mm. I mean, my first year. Did you get him out in the, in the end? Don't think so. <laughs> Not that day. Yes, it's not a, not a, one that comes to memory. Sitting low darts back at your head. To, he seemed to take quite a liking to my straight pace. Mm. 
and I want to say that, that's straight medium pace. Yes. And generally when you're medium pace and they're straight, there's not a lot going for you. Very little. No. <laughs> Very little. Not against one of the all-time greats, I wouldn't have thought. It was a pretty powerful hitter in his day. He had a, he had, the handle of his bat was about, seriously, it was like two and a half, three inches width. And he'd have about six grips on it. It was, it was the most, he had the biggest hands I'd ever seen. Biggest hands I'd ever seen. It's just, your ball used to look like a marble in his hand. Mm. But he had this this bat with, you remember he was really loose-limbed, yep. loose-wristed. And, That's right. And when yeah. he got hold of him, I just stayed hit. He loved hitting straight and oh, he's a beautiful player. Mm. A lovely man. Really nice man. Mm. Good to get to know him later on in life. Yes. Uh, yeah, in probably better circumstances yeah, where he wasn't trying circumstance. to knock your head off. Quite right. Mm. It was, yeah, it was terribly. I, he's never apologised to me for trying to hurt me either. Does he, should he apologise? Don't think so. Well, we well, don't know what you said, I so, really don't think so you might have deserved it. Oh, here we go. God, in the 90s, did Mark Atkinson WA bowl to Mark Atkinson Tasmania? Well, he might have bowled well, to him. We're we need you, to, Rod. We need, you Rod, we need to know answer. if he got him out. I'm sh- Come on, that's, Rod. It's not I just about it's playing against each other. Another one here, different sport, but has the two Tom Lynches played against each other in that position? I wouldn't have thought because they're both forwards. Tom Lynch of Richmond and the former Adelaide Crow and Saint Tom Lynch. So I don't think they would have played on each other. No, no. I think you'll get a sense that there'll be a lot more of those sort of naming collisions in footy than there will be in crew. I would have thought so. Yeah. I don't remember two blokes with the same name. Well, this one, that's not a bad suggestion here from Brooksy. This, this could have happened. Brooksy, one of the best producers in the business. He's pushing his own buttons. Did Nathan Brown, of course, a former Melbourne defender... Small defender, play on Nathan Brown, the former small forward from the Western Bulldogs and the Richmond Tigers. That could have happened. Mm. That could have yeah, happened. That could have happened. Mm. Could have happened. Mm, so that's possible. Stevie J, Stevie J once, I remember that. He waltzed into an open goal against St Kilda. Just thought he was cruising and then he got run down from behind. He didn't, it was being a bit of a smart aleck. Who did? Stevie J. Just sort of turned around, thought he was just wandering in, and then I think it was Shane Savage, might have been, just came from nowhere and ran him down. Just trying to poke the a final, bear. was it? No, not a final, just a normal game. When oh, here beat, we go. When we beat them at um, uh, Metricon years ago, there in the final round before the finals, was it? Metricon? I don't know. What's it called? I'm in Gold Coast. Oh, no. What's the one called here? At Geelong. No. Marvel Stadium. Marvel. I think it might have been in a drawn game you two played. I reckon, from memory. Poke Damien Fleming in a subbies grand final. He got a duck after coming off a semi-final 100. I walked out to bat eight for 16 and Fleming was bowling quick and swinging it, says Big Brew. <laughs> Tom Rogers has got Tom Rogers out four times. In the BBL. It says Tom Rogers has got Tom Rogers out four times. Mm. Not in the BBL. Surely not. Just That's not. unbelievable. <laughs> don't know if Tom Rogers played a lot of first-class cricket. The, the Ringwood Tom Rogers. Mm. I know he's, he's played some practice games and whatever for Victoria. I haven't seen him make his first-class debut, I don't think. But I, I no, I, I could be proven wrong very quickly. Oh, because 972, please uh, text some more information yes, uh, on that one on the 40 Wings tip. Okay, time for a news update, which means it's time for us to get a McCafe coffee. Here's Anna in the newsroom. Good point. Off the 40 Winks temper. Thank you, Anna. Did Damien Fleming ever get Stephen Fleming out? That could have happened in Test cricket. It's not the same. 
we're going the whole same. That's a good name, point. No, that's a good point. Can I take that back? Yeah. Yeah. No, full names, please. You did ask for full names. <laughs> it is wrong. It is wrong. Can't just change the rules halfway through. No, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, some big games yeah, coming up uh, in the English Premier League this uh, this morning, Simon. If you care, uh, top of the table, almost top of the table clash. First versus third, Arsenal versus Newcastle. I'm getting worried that Arsenal might win the title this year. Is that at Emirates? That is at Emirates. Okay. I thought it was all this sort of, you know, bit of a cute start to the season. Arsenal's going okay, but City's going to haul them in. Where's the money come from for Newcastle? Russian? Saudi Arabian. Saudi Arabian. Mm. Gee, they've done well, haven't they, yeah. since they got involved? They, they have. They get involved halfway through last season? Yeah, uh, yep, that's right. And they haven't really spent a lot of cash on players. It's not like they've gone silly. Just got a very good got manager. Going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Going. Hey, sports update for Toro. Above or below ground, you can count on Toro. Frightening scenes in the NFL yesterday. Buffalo Bills defender DeMar Hanlon was given CPR on the field after he collapsed following a tackle from a Bengals opponent in the first quarter. So after the break, we'll, we'll hear some audio from former Steeler Ryan Clark and a cardiologist uh, in the States discussing uh, the incident. So he remains in a critical condition uh, in hospital. The most recent update, which sort of came overnight uh, US time, was that his vitals were back to normal, but he was put to sleep to put a tune da- tube down his throat to, to further investigate uh, what happened. So eventually... Uh, the game was called off between the Bengals and the Bills. Um, initially, they were said that they sort of have five minutes to get going again, but the two coaches came together and said, no, 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 we, meet, we need some more time. And eventually, I think the right decision was made. Uh, the game uh, was called off. I don't think you expect Buffalo players in particular to get back out there when they don't even know the condition of their teammate that they've just seen have CPR on the ground. So I think the right decision... Uh, was made. Uh, so we'll play a bit more audio of that after the break. Uh, as we just said in the first half of now, Pat Cummins wouldn't reveal Australia starting 11 for the third test starting today at the SCG, weather permitting. However, there has been reports that Matt Renshaw and Ashton Agar will come in, meaning Australia will have two spinners and Renshaw would bat down the order in replacement for Cam Green. Novak Djokovic made his singles return in Australia at the Adelaide International last night, defeating his French opponent in straight sets. Uh, Jason Kubler, who really only got a start in the United Cup because uh, Nick Kyrgios pulled out late, uh, he's had two wins. Uh, his, his win last night against Albert Ramos and Venelas in three sets, which led Australia to a 3-2 win over Spain in what was effectively a dead rubber. Rafa Nadal had some interesting comments about the United Cup. Saying it's not mm. a great concept. A lot of dead matches, a lot of dead really. Rubbers. Played in three different states. It's an, it's an interesting format. Not sure it's a winner. Uh, you see this footage of uh, U, UFC boss Dana White slapping his wife? Hmm. So she slapped him and he slapped her back. Has admitted he's embarrassed and ashamed after video emerged of him slapping his wife for 30 years during drunken New Year's Eve celebrations in Mexico. So if you haven't seen it, it's on Fox Sports. Not, not good. Not good. And I was going to ask you about this. David Warner has signed on with the Fox cricket team, which was announced on the back of the TV rights deal yesterday. The signing doesn't necessarily mean there's an imminent retirement announcement, but whenever he does has some time, or when he does retire, he's going to work for Fox Cricket. What do you I think? think it's of, a bit of an indicator. What do you think, David Warner? Yeah, it's, I think it's yeah, that's that's a fair call. I think you'd read that into it. What do you think he'd be like as a pundit? Oh, he'd be good, honest. Yeah, if, if he his personality. Yeah, if he commentates the way he plays, mm. he's just going to be up and about and giving you a fair income opinion, which I, I think will be spot on. That's him. Mm. He loves to be either loved or hated. That's that's the way he plays and operates. 
doesn't doesn't phase him, so I don't think he'll be phased much behind the microphone either. Won't pull any punches. Don't Patrick so. Delaney, the boss of Fox yesterday, described him as a brawler. A brawler? Mm. Not bad. Yeah. So Justin Langs was seven, isn't he? They'll still run into each other. They will They will run into each other. Mm. Oh, but everything's okay with JL and the players. We saw it before the test in Perth. They're all hugging. Yeah. No, they're all good. All happy families. Very much so. Very much so. All good. Stage managed at all, do you think? No. It's a bit like the captain not telling us what the side is. What does that mean? I don't think we've got the full story. <laughs> I don't think we have either. On JL either. We haven't either. <laughs> a sports update for Toro above or below ground you can count on Toro. The other interesting part about you mentioned Newcastle there, owned by the Saudi, uh, you know, taken over by the Saudis, and uh, the new team that uh, Ronaldo has gone to, uh, Al Nassar, is uh, owned by the Saudi royal family. The talk is that if Newcastle make the Champions League next year, Ronaldo will be loaned to Newcastle. So he can play in the Champions League for Newcastle. Well, the interesting aspect of that is, will Newcastle want him? Uh, that's a good question. A lot of other clubs didn't. Well, Manchester United didn't. No, and some other clubs like Napoli, for example, didn't want him. Right. Maybe that's because he's too much of a disruptor, well, more than his football. Yeah, he probably, he's gone out and done his tell-alls and all that sort of stuff, hasn't he? It just doesn't. doesn't sit right. It never no. works. No, it doesn't. Never works, and now there's debate. You know what should be celebrated as this extraordinary career. We're now having this debate about you know whether he should be at the Saudis, and that means Messi's better than he is, mm. and all that. We shouldn't be having that debate. You can't, you can't end your career on a in a petulant manner. No, albeit your bank account looks fantastic. Mm. No, it's not a way to go out. They've gone in opposite directions. Oh, this is a good one. This is what we want. Miller from Mount Evelyn. That's a nice part of the world. Morning, boys. Josh Allen of the Jaguars sacked Josh Allen of the Bills earlier this season. Yeah, okay. Mm. That works. Cop that. Yeah, I'll cop that. that. Yep. Excellent. Yep, like it. Excellent. Tick. Tick. Well done. Miller from Mount Evelyn. Keep them coming through. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. All right. Well, I'm going to have a look at that. That, uh, that. that Miller from Mount Evelyn hasn't just made that up. Well, let's have a, I'm going to have a look during the break. I'm sure we can find that on the web. Well, I'm not doubting Miller, web. but I think to win the prize that you're going to donate. What am I donating? Well, I don't know. You started the competition. Mm. Now you've got to give the prize. Uh, a lunch with Simon O'Donnell. Uh, well, I win a chook. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lenny Pascoe. Uh, let's get to the break here on Summer Breakfast. It's Julian DeStoop and Simon O'Donnell. I'll just go a bit more into what happened in the NFL yesterday. Uh, shocking scenes with DeMar Hamlin after the break. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Simon, you doubted Miller from Mount Evelyn. I didn't. 8th of October, 2021, Josh Allen sacked by Josh Allen. So we've been asking that question off the back of Tom Rogers bowling Tom Rogers. 2021, 8th of October, 21 seconds to go in the second quarter, a third down, six all between Buffalo, who are five and two, Jacksonville one and six. Josh Allen sacks Josh Allen. Well, good effort. Well done. From Miller. Well, well done, done, Miller. Miller. And he's done it. <laughs> good work. It could be she's done it. You don't know it's a man. <laughs> uh, now, this 
in all seriousness, there was shocking scenes with DeMar Hamlin yesterday. I thought the broadcaster did a really good job. They didn't show a lot of replays of the incident. They didn't speculate on what might have happened. They just, you know, all, you could, there was a lot of emotion uh, in the broadcast. But obviously later on in the day, everyone's trying to work out what happened to DeMar Hamlin. What, you know, the tackle at the time didn't look like an overly serious hit compared to what you see in the NFL. And then he just, if you hadn't seen it, he stood up and then just collapsed, fell backwards. And obviously then everything happens, CPR, ambulance uh, taken off to hospital. So on uh, American television last night, they got a cardiologist on to explain, and not that he 100% knew what had happened, but he had a, a fair suspicion of what happened. Uh, his name is Dr. Chris Labos. But when you have a young, otherwise healthy player who collapses with no heartbeat because of a blow to the chest, there's really one diagnosis that comes to mind, and this is the presumption, is that he suffered what's called commotio cordis. And it is essentially that. It is when you get a blow to the chest of sufficient velocity, sufficient speed, sufficient power, and at the exact right moment in the cardiac cycle that it can trigger an arrhythmia. Because when someone collapses and has no heartbeat, it is usually because there's an arrhythmia that makes it that the heart is not beating. And when your heart is not beating, you have no blood flow to your organs, you have no pulse, you have no blood pressure. That's why people collapse. And if his heart rhythm was able to be reset with the defibrillator that the paramedics had used, then that just you know further confirms that that's exactly what happened. I mean, this is a, a, it's a shocking thing to witness. It's a shocking thing when it happens. And it is exceedingly rare because the window of time in which your heart is vulnerable to this type of trauma is actually measured in milliseconds. I mean, there's a lot of football, there's a lot of baseball, there are a lot of competitive and contact sports that are played in the US and Canada and around the world every year. And we don't see commotional quarters very often since the US registry for this disease was uh, put in place in the early 90s. There's been you know under 300 cases over the past 30 or some years. So this is not a, a common condition, it's rarity. Is, is sort of dictated by the fact that basically a number of things have to go wrong. You have to have the right blow in the right place at the right time. And it's just incredible bad luck that it, that it happened to, uh, to Hamlin. So it's freakish, really. Mm. Well, if that's right, and uh, you don't doubt the word of a cardiologist, uh, that is just quite a freakish thing to happen. Yep. Wrong place, wrong mm. time. One of those sort of issues that um, you know, doesn't doesn't uh, make it any easier you know when it does happen mm. it, it's good that the the medical teams and um, the yep. um, uh, emergency actions are spot on yep. to to take charge of that and, and give him his best chance so and that seems to be happening mm. so let's hope we see the next 24 hours yep. some improve so he's 24 years old his mum was in the crowd at the time so that was just been horrible uh, for her she accompanied him to hospital uh, in the back of the ambulance. So, it was, you know, like with social media this day, these days, you could just see it lighting up with messages from mm. players and people uh, all over the world. Uh, former Steeler Ryan Clark uh, was on ESPN Sports Centre, uh, and he was uh, really interesting, just I sort of, I guess, putting it all into context. This is about DeMar Hamlin, mm-hmm. and um, it's about a young man at 24 years old that was living his dream that a few hours ago was getting ready to play the biggest game of his NFL career, and there's probably nowhere else in the world he wanted to be. And now he fights for his life. And when DeMar Hamlin falls to the turf and when you see the medical staff rush to the field and both teams are on the field, you realize this isn't normal. You realize this isn't just football. 
And so many times in this game and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much, we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. And tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly, a side of football that no one ever, that side of football that no one ever wants to see mm-hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. And this isn't about a football player, right? This is about a human. This is about a brother. This is about a son. This is about a friend. This is about someone who is loved by so many that you have to watch go through this. I, um, I dealt with this before, and I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. I had them call me and tell me that they didn't think I was going to make it. And now this team has to deal with that, and they have no answers. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player (laughs) or we're we're upset that the the guy on our team doesn't make the play and we're saying he's worthless and we're saying you get to make all this money, we should remember that these men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream. And tonight, DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. Pretty emotive stuff uh, from Ryan Clark, the former Steeler. Uh, so putting it into context uh, there, just before we I get... I don't know a lot about Ryan Clark's history. Neither He's do gone I. through something I don't similar. know. I was, just, I, I was just listening, thinking the same thing. So I'll look that up during the break. So clearly he's, he's been in a serious situation uh, himself. Uh, Tim from Epping, spot on. Morning, fellas. Channel 7 reporter at the time, Amy Parks, once did a live cross from Amy Park. That is a fact. I remember I was watching that yeah. news bulletin. It was quite funny. It was quite funny. Yeah, I don't think Let's we'll... go to Amy Park. Said Amy Park. Yeah, I don't, don't. That's very unusual for a journalist to be the same name of a stadium. Mm. Oh. Don't see any marble stadiums working in Channel a Ten. That's a winner. That's a winner. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a couple. Clearly Josh Allen, Amy Parks. Uh, any others? Uh, you know, Tom Rogers bowling. Tom Rogers. Any other examples? Uh, send them through on the Forty Wings tab. But just a reminder on our McCafe menu, our official coffee partner, Ed Smith's going to join us. SEN cricket commentator. We build up to the third test. Daniel Beckman won 100 grand at the Portsea Program yesterday with a hole in one and Bay Crits winner Brenton Jones. And of course, we'll have questions without notice. Be ready for anything with a McCafe iced coffee. Need a little afternoon treat. Head to drive through for the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. Nom, 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 nom. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Yeah, so Ryan Clark, who we heard that audio from before the break, in the, for playing for Pittsburgh in 2007, he suffered a medical emergency during a game against the Broncos in Denver. He was rushed to hospital after experiencing severe pain in his side. It turned out he suffered a splenic infarction due to a infarction, that is, due to a, a sickle cell trait he was diagnosed with as a child. The high altitude of the Broncos stadium exacerbated his situation. Clark was in his late 20s and played safety when he experienced his traumatic situation. He was eventually cleared to return to the field and remain with the Steelers when they won the Super Bowl during the 2008 
season. So uh, he, he ended up having his spleen and his gallbladder uh, removed. He remained in hospital for a month, lost 40 pounds and suffered high fever during his stay. Mm. It's traumatic. Yep. Speaks with a bit of authority. He does, yes. Trauma within a, within a club environment. Absolutely. After the uh, 7 o'clock news, he's going to go through the man-cat situation and we'll take you through it blow by blow. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast, or if you're joining us for the first time, good morning. Great to have your company, Julian DeStoop and Simon O'Donnell with you. Plenty of cricket on the agenda uh, this hour. Ian Smith, uh, former New Zealand wicketkeeper, of course, and our SEN cricket commentator will join us later on this hour as we preview the third test between Australia and South Africa in Sydney. Hopefully the weather is okay up in Sydney today. There is predicted to be some rain, so hopefully not too many uh, interruptions uh, to the day's play. But it all happened at the MCG last night. Uh, good win in the end for the Renegades. Seven for 141. In reply, they restricted the Stars to nine for 108. Uh, Tom Rogers, the star, five for 16. The best figures ever uh, by a Renegade in... Which Tom Rogers? Uh, the Renegades, the bowler. Right. Got Tom Rogers, uh, one of the batters for the Melbourne Stars. But Tom Rogers, the Renegades bowler. Five for 16, man of the match performance. But he was involved uh, in the big controversy. A man cat. The man cat's back, Simon, and it's a bloody good thing. I agree. Should be more man catting, shouldn't there? Three cheers for the man cat. Bring it back. Yeah. 2023 is the year of hip, the hip, man hip. cat. Stop cheating, batters. That's right. Well, Adam Zampa wasn't happy with Tom Rogers. So let's just, just take you through this if you didn't see it last night. Happy to take your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Are you team man-cat? Are you against the man-cat? As it sounds like uh, the coach of the Melbourne Stars, David Hussey, is. But this is how the, the boys, uh, Sammy Hargraves and Bryce McGain, called it on Big Bash Nation. Tom Rogers knows his role. He, he just pushed for two straight away. He just wants to get Mac Harvey to face as many balls as he can this over. Oh, dear. Oh, it's a man cat. Oh, listen to the boo. Zampa has taken the bales off with Rogers. He took off early. Walking down at the non-strikers. And they're going to review it just to get even more drama to this. Fully legal, as we know now, in cricket. No warning is required. So he's just checking what they're challenging here. And Jerry Abuda's right, whether he got into the bowling action and whether he's moved his arm through the bowling action and then gone and taken the stumps. He can't move into his bowling action because that's a trigger that the non-striker can go. So he's there. Does he follow through? He does go over. So he's gone past the point of delivery and then gone back. This will be not out on the man-cat. This is not out. You can't do it that way. You cannot get into your bowling action. Brilliant explanation and observation from Bryce McGain. Not out is the call. The drama intensifies. The stakes become a little higher and the tensions flare. Rogers is having a real piece verbally of Zampa. So Bryce McGain set that up really nicely. So he noticed the ball before that they were just desperate to get Mackenzie mm. Harvey on strike, which is fair enough. He is the batter uh, out there. But he, he was uh, sneaking out of the crease in that over. Wasn't sneaking out of the crease. That's probably being a bit kind. You know, and I'm not sure why Tassie Tom Rogers 
is having a go at Adam Zampa. Now, okay, he's he's gone through his action because he wouldn't have known whether he went through his action or not. He'd have no idea. He was idea. off and running. Mm. He just kept walking back to the bowler straight ahead. So his awareness, how why he was having a go at Adam Zampa is beyond me. Adam Zampa had every right, if he did it in the correct manner, which in the end we know he didn't, to knock the bars off. Well, maybe he thinks in the spirit of cricket he should have got a warning. Why? I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. Do you get a warning for a noe? No, you don't. You get a warning for an LBW? No, you don't. You get a warning for a court behind? No, you don't. You get a warning for any other dismissal in cricket? No, you don't. Stiff. Stiff. There you go. So uh, Stiff, this is the third... This is the third umpire explaining why it wasn't out. Third umpire director, I've got a review for run out. We want to check whether the bowler's arm has gone past the vertical. That's uh, satisfied the law for run out at the bowler's end. Roll it through, roll it through, roll it through, and roll it through further. Now his arm's gone past the vertical, therefore not out. Repeat, decision for the big screen will be not out. So, as we said earlier in the show, if you're just joining us, uh, both a rule we weren't aware of. Did no exist. No, did it all. But My uh, first thought this morning was, when did that come hmm. in? If anyone knows when that came in, uh, give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Send through a 40 wings temper, 0433981116. Okay, so then uh, afterwards, of course, uh, Adam Zamper, David Hussey and Tom Rogers all spoke. Let's first of all have a listen to Adam Zampa on the reason he did it. Running out of the crease before I'd bowled it to his advantage, I bowled a good ball to Mackenzie Harvey, which probably should have been one if he hadn't done that. So, um, yeah, I guess he used that to his advantage. So, yeah, I thought, well, that ball, if he doesn't want to be on strike, then I'll make it a bit easier for him. Did you know the rule about the arm going past the vertical? No, I didn't know the rule. I thought the rule was actually if you had let the ball go. But obviously, if you hadn't let the ball go, then I had assumed that the batter would still have to be in the crease. But apparently, it's if you've finished your action and they can assume that you've bowled the ball, then they're allowed to leave the crease. So, yeah. Well, it makes me feel better that Adam Zampa didn't know the rule. Mm. And it's not letting go of the ball either. It's it's the vertical. That's right. It's the arm passing vertical. So you can go into your action and coil up. And start the action, but then you've got to stop. <laughs> you couldn't have let go the ball. How could you uh, let go the ball? It's down the other end in half a second. Catch it with the other one. <laughs> How would you do that? It'd be good effort. It'd be good fielding. David Hussey's comments were probably the most interesting. This is what he had to say when he was interviewed by Sarah Jones uh, throughout the game. A bit of byplay. I spoke to Zamps already, and he said, uh, if it had been given out, we would have withdrawn our appeal anyway. It's... It's not the right way to play cricket, yet uh, it was more of a warning for the batter not to leave too early because at the end of the innings, that's what generally happens. Okay, so would have Adam Zampa, have, would, would he have withdrawn the appeal? This is what he had to say about that. Yeah, I'm not sure what decision we, I would have went with once the, once the ruling had been made, but basically straight away, Jared said, you finished your action, I don't think it's out. So it didn't matter. Like, as soon as Jared said that, I knew it wasn't going to be out because I'd known how far my arm had come over. Um, Jared said if your arm comes all the way over and he can assume that you've bowled the ball, then you can't do that. So basically straight away I, I was like, well, yeah, well, it's not out. Even if, even if I had got my technique right, my men had technique right, and Jared said that's probably going to be out, I don't know what decision I would have, would have come to, but, um, yeah, 
he said it's probably not going to be out. Um, and, yeah, I guess just a scenario of the game. Kenzie Harvey was on strike anyway and they had wicks in hand. Where do you sit on all that? Uh, I, I, I sit I call... on it that, yeah, we've probably got to start calling it a run-out and get this man-cat out. Cause that, oh, I think, I think, it's great no, term. It's, it's a run-out man-cat. I think we've got to get run-out in there because that, that's the official term mm-hmm. that goes under is, is run-out. Just to get the man-cat out so people understand, look, no one's doing anything mm. untoward here. It, it, it's a rule of rule of the game. We I've learned a rule of the game this morning that I never knew about, uh, and that is the, the the arm being vertical. So, I, I, look, I've got no issue with it happening. I, I just don't. And, and Adam Zampa, that's the bit I like best to explain it, is that the ball before, they more than likely would only have got one if he didn't get a mm. head start. So he was deliberately taking a head start to keep – Mackenzie Harvey on strike, which logical thing to do. But you do that after he's bowled it and then take off or get a run-up to take off than just taking off when you think it's appropriate for you to do it because that is gives the opportunity for the bowler to take the bars off and say, cheery bye. So I've got a message here from uh, Tommy Morris, who knows his cricket really well. He says, it was in 2022 that the MCC changed the law to bring this type of run-out under a legitimate dismissal. Uh, they've also taken the term mancad out of the laws. It's just described as a run-out. Yeah, and oh, so it should be. Mancad technique. That's a term I've never heard in cricket before. Well, the rule was changed in 2022. Mm. Okay. I'm happy with that because, yeah, I, I, hadn't, I had no idea. But, again, I, I've not got no issue with it. I've got zero, 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 point zero, zero, zero. <laughs> you just have to say zero. Issue with it. Mm. None. So Adam Zampa went on to explain in a bit more context uh, his man-cad run-out attempt. No, it's not a warning. Like, uh, I'm a very competitive guy, so, yeah, I guess I saw red a little bit when, when he, as I said, he used that to his advantage. Mackenzie Harvey, the ball before, had almost just hit the ball and it felt like he was three metres away from Mackenzie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if it gets in that situation again, I'm not saying I won't do it. Um, Particularly so late in the innings with like two balls left. I know even if I, even if I mancad someone and run him out, then they've still got three wicks in the hand. Mackenzie Harvey's on strike anyway, so it doesn't really make that much difference to the game. That's an interesting way of looking at it. So Tom Rogers had the last laugh. He came out and got five for sixteen, uh, and uh, he was spoke. He was interviewed after the game and asked whether it fired him up. Time to fire you up. The uh, incident <laughs> last over there. Uh, a little bit, mate, but to be honest, uh, we, we were pretty ready and raring to go for this one. It's, it's a derby. We've dropped three, um, three coming into this one after a pretty good start where we wanted to you know, build a good bit of hype. We think we've got a pretty good list and, and we want to show that. Um, it was pretty important for us to go out and get a win today. So we were, I, th- I think all the boys were pretty up for that one once we took the field. He's a pretty mild-mannered school teacher, a secondary school teacher, Tommy Rogers, but uh, he bowled beautifully last night. So give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Did you know the rule about uh, the arm going past the v- vertical? Your thoughts on the explanation from Adam Zampa? Your thoughts on David Hussey's comments that it's not in the spirit of the game, essentially, and Adam Zampa would have withdrawn the appeal? I'm not sure Adam Zampa would, listening to uh, Adam Zampa uh, there. Uh, Tommy from Berwick has jumped on the open line. You can too. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Plenty coming through on the 40 Wings temper. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Tom, are you uh, a yes or a no for the man-cad? run out. Yeah, good morning, lads. Uh, I'm a big yes for it. Um, 
the the argument that it's not in the spirit of cricket, I, I can't stand that argument because is it in the spirit of a game to leave the crease early? Probably not either. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that if batters are going to try and get an unfair advantage, they should absolutely be let to be run out without warning. That's my personal opinion. But yeah. No, I'm with you, Tom. I, I I don't think there's any room for warning now that this is this has changed. Uh, yeah, it, it, you you've got to get your technique right. It, it becomes part of the game, particularly in the in the 2020 form. Um, so, you know, batting coaches and batters are going to have to learn to get their technique right when they're trying to get a you know some momentum into a run, and that, they've got to take some more risks while doing it. And that is. You know, starting back where the umpire is, or maybe even a bit further back, coming in with the bowler and setting off as he lets the ball go, and they're aware of it. They're actually watching it and aware of it. The, the thing with Tom Rogers last night, he didn't even look. Didn't even no. look. He just kept going. He wouldn't have known whether Zampa bowled it or not. You know, so he but got, I think that batters have got into that habit. But it's a bad habit. Mm. It, it, it's, so a, this... it's a basic principle and a, a basic um, a running rule. You know, he's getting that momentum coming in. And if you watched a, a Dean Jones, he never left his crease before the – but he had momentum and it was timing of letting the – you leaving the crease when the guy bowled the ball. But bats in these days, they're just doing it. So they think they can. Well, bugger them. I go back to – Take Ro- them out. I go back to Ross line. Execute one, educate a thousand. I reckon that's what this is like all about. Line, uh, right? Let's go to Dale in Tasmania. He's got his thoughts. Hey, Dale. Morning, boys. How are you? Good, mate. Um, yeah, the man is just a rule, so we just need to roll with it. But what I think they should do, and I know they've spoken about this in uh, different commentary before, that if the bowler, if, if the batsman is out and the bowler bowls a no ball, but the non-striker is out of his crease, then they should still be out. Like, that should be null and void for the bowler's no ball. So that's, I think that is one way of keeping the non-striker uh, in their crease at all times. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. Take. I need to think that through. Mm, and it might take a bit of a... You have a think through, and we'll get to... We'll go down to Tassie again. Andrew in Hobart, who's... He's umpired some cricket. G'day, Andrew. G'day, boys. How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, you too, mate. Yeah, look, uh, I think Simon's hit, hit the nail on the head with um, what you're saying about it. And I think it's, it's a bit of an education process as well, I think. Um, you know, getting rid of the term mancad because, you know, the laws of cricket say to run out. And... As has been discussed, on, you know, on this program this morning, um, yeah, if a batter is gaining an unfair advantage, you know, he should be in danger of getting out. And basically, you know, I umpired I cricket down here, and um, you know, you see on social media people calling it un-Australian and all this sort of BS, you know. And it's it's just laws of cricket, and it's, it's the same as a bowler bowling a no ball. Um, you know, it's an unfair advantage by, by going over the line. So if if, if a batter is doing the same thing. You know, so be it, and it's it's part of the laws of cricket. So this just just needs to become, you know, it's part of the game. Look, you know, in in local cricket down here, we have I haven't seen it at all this year, but you know, obviously when when something at the national stage becomes highlighted a little bit, I suppose it wouldn't be surprised if it if it comes out this weekend. But um, yeah, I think Simon O'Donnell certainly hit the nail on the head with with what you're saying, Simon. That you know, it's it's laws of cricket. If you're going to do the wrong thing as a batter and gain an unfair advantage, well, you should be in danger of getting out. Yep. I agree. And interesting uh, text message here, uh, putting a, a baseball spin yes. on it. You know, when, you, mm. when you're trying to steal a base. That's right. And you're hiding behind the pitcher who's got to throw it that way. You know, you're on second trying to pinch to third or first to second, all that sort of stuff. You know, 
Why, why give the advantage? You can turn around and, and run them out on base. That, that's the way it works. Mm. I agree. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Bill from Adelaide says, I captained the Halls Gap C-grade cricket team to a premiership, and I knew the rule of the arm can't go into the bowling action. So I think it has been around for a long time, apparently. But I guess it's never really uh, – it's never really re- – you've got to talk to some of your former cricketers, by the way, because they're not on board with you. Brett Lee and Brad Hodge last night on Seven and Fox both didn't like it either. Didn't like you could man-cat. Yes. Yeah, talk to some of your brethren. Well, they were my brethren. They're mm. not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> not after that. Uh, give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take some more calls after the break. Also, third test today. It looks like Scotty Boland's going to miss out. How stiff is he? Well, he's very unlucky. Uh, they made the right call as well. Renshaw, Renshaw and Agar look like they're going to play. Lance Morris should be playing. It's disappointing for the match that he's not. Uh, be ready for anything with a McCafe iced coffee. Need a little afternoon treat. Head to drive through for the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. Weather update, of uh, course, for City Power, supplying power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs. Looks overcast out there, Simon. Uh, currently 15 degrees, headed for a top of 17. Not that summerish today. Uh, more coming up on summerish breakfast after the break. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back to the show. We're talking the man cat, even though that's not officially a term in uh, cricket anymore. It's just called a run out. Phil from Mitchum's jumped on the line and wants to have his say. G'day, Phil. Okay, guys. How you going this morning? Very well. Yourself? Oh, pretty good, pretty good heading home from work. But um, with that, Mancat, if uh, Adam Zampa had released the ball after his full action, would it be a straight run out and we wouldn't be talking about this? If he just uh, oh, if he rolled, if he rolled, rolled it, back. it back onto the stumps. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. gone through his full motion, so it's not a Mancat run out, but if he releases it, is it just a normal straight run out? I don't know. Would it be? Another good question. <laughs> yeah. Can't answer it. Can't answer it, Phil. No, I'm not sure about that either. If anyone knows the answer, one three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. What's do you think it would be, Phil? Is that your gut feel? Well, it's same as throwing the ball at the stumps at any time. Is batted out of the creases to run out. So why shouldn't it be? It's within the play limit. Hmm. Mm. Another one I need to. Think yeah, no, that. We need an umpire on. We do need an umpire. We need to go through a few of those mm. things. There's a number of different ways we can run a batsman out these days in your bowling action. I'd like to know a bit more about mm. it. Well, Ian Smith might be able to help us. He's coming up uh, very surely. Umpires, Smithy. I mean, he hates umpires. No, he, just, he was always a, he was a little narc, narc. He's a wicket he keeper. Played, he was a narker. They're all the same. Same. Sammy Edmund, he was a wicketkeeper. He's a narker. <laughs> was he a wicketkeeper? You nasty little ant. No, he even played cricket. Uh, what is Simon, what is the difference when a batter stands a metre outside the crease when facing a ball? Isn't it the same thing, getting an advantage to take a single, says Stephen Clyde? Oh, that, that, that's an educated uh, opportunity he's taking, but he misses the ball, the keeper takes it, he gets stumped. And you're not but, – but – Batters aren't batting. There's a consequence of it. But batters aren't batting out of their crease to try and get down the other end quicker. 
Well, they're trying to get a ball pitched in the right that's area right. so it's they not can to make get, more runs. Yeah, it's not to make a single a bit quicker. No, quite right. Mm. I, think, I think that's very different. Uh, the etiquette business against the run-out is a self-serving view promoted by POMs and sluggish <laughs> middle-order batsmen. <laughs> uh, Mark from Vermont's not happy for you. You didn't give him credit for the baseball tech. So, Mark from Vermont, uh, well done. Apologies, mate. Yeah. Uh, the Greg Chappell underarm was also within the rules. That's a bit different. It's a bit different. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit different. Can you explain to me what the spirit of... Hang on, just why is it different? Why is it different? Because it's taking the rules to their nth degree, but in my opinion, that the spirit of cricket is played, is playing the game within the rules of cricket. That's the spirit of cricket. People keep talking to me about the spirit of cricket. spirit of cricket is playing cricket within the rules. But the spirit of cricket has evolved as well. You never used to bowl bounces to tail-enders. Do now. Well, that's they out the window. Do so don't, don't things change? What, does any other sport have a spirit? Oh, that's not in the spirit. Does the NFL of, have a spirit? Sometimes you say things aren't in the spirit of the game, but people always say spirit of cricket. Now, if people want to adjudicate that you've gone over and above the rules and suspend you for it, say with a bump to the head or whatever, well, that, that's for them to do that. You've gone outside the rules of the game and you you pay a penalty for it. I think that's the spirit of the game. The spirit of the game is is dictated to by the rules that are administered on the game. So cricket's no different. Mm. Cricket has a set of rules and you play within Mm. those rules. And if someone says you are outside of those rules, you are punished accordingly. I can't argue with that. There's your spirit. That's right. It's been a bit of a weird BBL season, really, with the Michael Neeser catch. What happened last night? Remember the 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 bales fell off for no reason when Nick Maddinson didn't touch the stumps and he initially was given out for hit wicket. What's going on? So, Adam Zamp has been in, but remember a few years ago, the ball hit his head and he runs someone out. From a technical point of view, if you take off before the ball is released from the bowler's hand, mm. and you the, if at the other end you don't put your bat yes. over the line and touch it down. Here. Are you a short run at both ends? Uh, I so don't... If the ball's not in play when you've already left your crease, technically that's a short run. They never pay that, though, do they? No, they don't. But that, that's where I'd love to get an umpire's opinion on it to say, well, okay, is that then a short run? Because if he runs up the other end and doesn't put his bat in the crease when the ball is live and in play, because if you if you don't bowl the ball and it's still in your hand, it's called a dead ball. Mm. When you release the ball, if if you release it properly, it is the ball is in play. So mm. if you take a photo of the batsman out of his ground by a metre and you've let the ball go, that means the ball is in play. That means he technically has run a short run. I agree. That's what it should be. Uh, you can join us on the ENS open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Billy, we'll get to you after the news uh, with Anna Pavlou. So time for a news update which means it's time for Simon to get me a McCafe coffee. Thank you, Anna. Four games going on in the English Premier League at the moment. Very, very popular competition here in Australia. Uh, Arsenal-Newcastle nil all. Brighton lead 1-0 against Everton away from home. Fulham the same against Leicester 1-0. And Manchester United 1-0 at home against Bournemouth. Uh, All those matches are in the first half. Let's get to Billy from Ascot Vale. He's got a view on the Mancat. G'day, Billy. Yeah, morning, guys. 
Yeah, just speaking of the bank, I uh, just was finally saying on and yourself about the spirit of the game in sport. In AFL, if a uh, player runs into an open goal and then stops and shows, turns around and shows the ball to his opponent before he kicks a goal, is that spirit of the game in the AFL, would you say? Uh, it's just a bit arrogant, really. Some would say that's against the spirit of the game. Yeah, I'd say that, Billy. What do you think? Yeah, but, yeah, no, that's what I was saying. I just remember, I think it was a Richmond player maybe last year or a couple of years ago that did that. I can't remember who it was, but was running into an open goal and stopped and showed the ball. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, good. Yeah, Shay Bolton on Sam Doherty last year. That's right. And Damien Hardwick didn't like it. Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought, yeah, because when you were just talking about spirit of the games in different sports, I just thought in AFL that's probably the equivalent of a man can, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's frowned upon. I remember Lee Montagna did it one year and uh, didn't go down overly well. So that's one. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Uh, yeah, thanks, Billy. Um, a couple of interesting texts um, from Kyle. So if a batsman can't bat out of their crease, uh, it'll be a short run. So why are we treating the non-striker different to the striker? Mm. Interesting, interesting point. Yeah, it is an interesting point. It's a good mm. point, Kyle. A really good point. Yeah, good point, actually, yeah. <laughs> what is that, Coxie? Seriously. We need Razor Ray on. I think he'd take the call. You need to calm down. Mm. We need Ray on. I, I want Ray on. <laughs> Brooksy, please get Razor Ray on. I need to speak to, with him. <laughs> There's no one he doesn't speak to, Joel. <laughs> and I, 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 I need him to be part of this. It's interesting, little things in cricket like this mm. that that suddenly you start talking about it, all these different questions start rolling out. It does. Well, you know, why is the batsman out of his crease? Why isn't that then a short run when he gets to the other end? All, all that sort of stuff. It's quite fascinating. It is. It's interesting fodder. It is interesting fodder. Now, yesterday, I'm surprised your comments didn't go viral about the Melbourne Football Club. You're predicting their big demise in 2023. The bottom four of the eight. Big demise. Premiers, top four, second after the home and away last year. remember when they were Premiers. 2021. Yeah. 2022, finished second. That was more than a year ago, remember? No, I understand that. But you, you know... You, you got you caused some tension off the forty wings temper with your court yesterday. I couldn't have surely. Oh no, they were. That was not any dislike. Of well, them. they weren't happy. So they Max... from North Melbourne had a go at me the other day. What, what did you say about oh, North? I used them in a sentence that someone. You now, oh, Kane Corns, I was talking about. I was talking about Kane on on the Sporting Flame with Jimmy last night. And right, you know, Kane, you know, he said a couple of things about North Melbourne. You know, suddenly the North Melbourne. Fans jumped in. I said, well, look, hang on. I'm, I'm only just using it as a, mm. an example. I don't hate your footy club. Stop it. You're on that many shows. You don't, don't remember which, show, which shows you say what on. Uh, we'll hear from Max Gorn a little bit later. He played uh, some golf at Portsea yesterday, and now he's obviously asked about playing alongside Brody Grunny. But let's get to Andrew and East Bentley. You want an umpire on? Andrew is an umpire. Oh, good on you, Andrew. G'day, Andrew. Uh, g'day. Okay, boys, how are you? Uh, so I'm a few benefit. Um, a bo- the ball's in play when a bowler commences his run-up. And if he doesn't have a run-up, which is a rare occasion, it's when he's in his delivery stride. So if a bloke starts backing up when the bowler starts running in, then he's going to be out of his crease. That's why the whole run-out, or man-cat as we call it, has come into play the way it is. So he can't take that advantage because the bowler had seen before he even got to the umpire. Um... Does that make sense? 
Yeah, just go through that. So, so Andrew, you're you're saying that that if he takes off early, the bowler is going to see him anyway. Well, that's right. Because as soon as the bowler starts his run up, the ball's in play. So yeah. if the bowler's running in and he's left the crease before then, well, he's going to see that well in advance, and he could take the bails off. And there's none of this. The ball gets to the the peak of his his action where you have the where you can no longer do the run out or mancad. So. Yeah. That's, it's going to stop him anyway. So any batsman that took off that early would be foolish to do so, obviously. It'd yeah. at least get a warning and rightly run out in this day and age. But 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 there's no need to get a warning, is there? Well, no, that's right. Yeah. I, I know myself, I copped it when I was a junior. I got given out first ball of a match um, under 16, so I know how bad it is. But uh, nonetheless, the rule's there. Well, not rule, law's there. Mm. And uh, it should be applied when, mm. it, when it's necessary. Well, I've just been watching a bit the Tom Rogers replay uh, and and he was he was um you know out of his crease as Adam Zampa went into his bowling action, and then well, what he what he didn't up. do what he didn't do from a match awareness point of view he then just kept going whether he bowled or not. So he's he's a, it was good enough for Tom Rogers to make a decision to go as Zampa coiled up to bowl the ball. He hadn't got into his, you know, um, you know, going over the vertical as such, but Rogers went. So for a quick bowler, really, you couldn't do that, Andrew, could you? Once you wind up, you're nearly buggered. You can't, you can't stop that momentum. Yeah, well, the whole idea is it's designed to stop a bloke before he even gets into that bowling stride for a bloke to be taking off. That's that's why we're trying to make it. It's the batsman at fault here, not the bowler. The stigma mm. attached to the bowler doing it. If a batsman takes off that early, then why should we have any sympathy for him? But mm. it's the one where it's close, where a guy genuinely thinks the bowler is about to release, yeah. and he takes off. That's why we have the rule now that it's at that vertical point. And I think the rule as it's applied now is is good. I really do. Yeah. Awesome, Andrew. Right, Thank you point. so much for your call. We'll ask Ian Get Smith, Razor, Brooksy, Ian Smith about this. We don't need Razor. Uh, Ian Smith, uh, SEN Cricket Commentator, will join us after the break. Do not speak to me like that. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back to the show. Third test between Australia and South Africa gets underway in Sydney later today. Of course, the Pink Test, the 15th edition of the Pink Test. Uh, one man will be in the commentary box for SEN is former New Zealand wicketkeeper SENZ host as well, Ian Smith, who joins us this morning. G'day, Ian. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we this morning? We are very well. Before we get stuck into the test match, the old mancad has been in the news uh, the last week or so. It started off with Mitch Stark at the MCG, and then we saw it last night with Adam Zamper and Tom Rogers. Where do you stand on the mancad? I'm old fashioned. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a, a bit on the old camp. I'm, you know, I'm I'm old, but I'm younger than Simon, and I, I kind of <laughs> feel that, um, you know, no. Not for me. Not for. I, there'll be a punch up. There's nothing sure there'll be a punch up at some point. It'll be great. I mean, no. if that's what they want, they're going to get it. Yeah, well, I would have done you. <laughs> I would never have given you the chance, brother. <laughs> <laughs> now, Simon said before when we mentioned you were coming on that you didn't like umpires. Is that true? No, not not all umpires. Just um, ones with Australian passports. <laughs> 
Got a rough deal against the Aussie umpires, did we? Oh, over the years, I'd take those guys in Karachi any time. <laughs> oh, that's about saying it all, isn't it, Simon? Oh, I, I, we mightn't agree on a lot of things, but we, we're not going with those boys from Karachi, are we? <laughs> no, they're good blokes. champions. <laughs> well, I reckon you go down in the champion bloke category. You, one of the few Kiwis I like. Oh. Uh, you know why? You know why? Because we like a beer and a bit, so we've got a bit in common, you and I. <laughs> we do have a bit in common. Anyone ever ask you to, you know, what you thought the pitch Sorry? conditions were like, or you know, would you mind you know, stepping aside after the fifth ball? Because it seemed well, everyone in cricket right. in our day got asked, but no one ever asked me, so they must have, must have thought he can't play, he can't influence the game. Who cares? <laughs> I'm about the same, actually. What is the wicket keeper know? But what I can tell you, I'm standing on the third or fourth floor now at the SCG. I'm really keen about this test. I got here three hours early. So <laughs> I, I just beat the charge of the members, honestly. The members charge through the gate at 100 miles an hour looking for vantage points in the old famous stand there. So, uh, But I'm looking from about 160 yards away at the pitch. And he looks, there's, there's a green tinge to it, but they've got the heavy roller on at the moment going up and down, up and down. And, uh, they're talking um, a test match scoop that you know all about. But Sydney um, influenced by spin at some point, so there you go. Yeah, which, it won't which, be like the good old days, but I, it does look that bit drier, Smithy. Uh, and, and they're looking at combinations. I was reading this morning they wanted to turn the turn the wild thing loose, but uh, Pat Cummins put a dampener on that yesterday, apparently in the press conference, and said maybe two spinners and. So no room for the wild thing uh, at this particular point, but uh, maybe a bit of Ashton Agar to help out Nathan Lyon, and I think. They'll be a big factor because I, I really don't think South Africa can match them in that department, and that's huge. What do you make of the uh, likely Australian changes? Uh, you mentioned a couple there, but it looks like Josh Hazelwood will come in and Scott Boland yeah. misses out, and then uh, Matty Renshaw comes into the side as well. Yeah, I'm not sure they need the, the Renshaw factor. I think the way Kerry's batting, I think that would be a, a wonderful opportunity to see how he goes at number six. You've won the series. You got. I don't think there's any danger of losing this test match to be fair. So it would be nice to put a bit of extra pressure on him at that sixth spot. And that frees you up to play as many bowlers as you like, really. Um, but, you know, I, I think just man for man, clearly, whatever combination you come up with, just clearly better than South Africa, which is a shame, really. I was really looking forward to the series. But the dominance of it, a two-day test, a three-and-a-half-day test, uh, there's supposed to be a little bit of wet weather around Sydney today, which might put a literally a bit of a dampener on proceedings and, and halt the progress of the test match. But I really, uh, in all honesty, if South Africa got up and beat Australia, I'd be majorly surprised. Mm. Really would. Smithy, really interesting comments from Jacques Cullis last week You know, on, on the the domestic situation of, of cricket in South Africa and that you, know, you don't learn to play cricket at the international level. You, you learn well before that. You know, that all doesn't all spell, you know, doesn't all look well for the future, does it, of South African cricket when one of your most decorated players and, and uh, a real loyalist to South African cricket is making those sort of statements? Yeah, it's a worry. You're right, uh, Scoob. But it really is a worry that, you know, you, you look to the grassroots side of it and that's where it stems from. You know, you look at your Sheffield Shield competition, which has pretty much always been the breeding ground. I mean, you have to do very, very well at that to get a baggy green cap on your head. But it doesn't seem that way um, under the South African system at the moment. You show a little bit of promise, you're a little bit of ability, um, and you get the nod. And quite clearly, uh, if you look at the top order here, and um, Elgar aside, who's been very, very disappointing in this series, 
uh, you look at their numbers, there's not a lot there to boast about, you know, um, compared to uh, Australia's top four. Um, and then you throw Travis Head's form in at number five, and then you've got the Kerry Cameron Green combination at six and seven when they're all fully fit. South Africa at this stage, whatever you, uh, level of cricket you're at and whatever breeding down you've got, just won't, it doesn't seem to appear to be able to breed that kind of quality, that kind of class all the way through. And even then, um, you take these guys out, which has happened in this test match with injury, and you've still got some really worthy replacements. Players who have played test cricket before uh, coming back in for a second bite of the cherry. Um, you know, and, and they'll be as hungry as hell. I don't see that in South Africa, and, and Jacques Callis has every right to be worried. What about New Zealand cricket? Uh, Ian was speaking to SEN cricket commentator Ian Smith. Uh, the, the team's been really strong for a while now. There's interesting comments from Trent Bolt uh, in a Melbourne paper a couple of days ago saying, look, we've only got a small population. 95% of uh, young men in New Zealand grow up. They want to be all blacks, uh, not uh, cricketers. And the fact that we won the Test Championship a few years ago, we probably won't uh, see that again. What, what's overall the state of New Zealand cricket like? Yeah, um, I, I sort of uh, echo his comments a wee, but I, I don't think the follow-through group is as, as strong as this. New Zealand cricket um, is a very cyclical, cyclical thing. In other words, it comes in, in cycles. This cycle's been quite a long one, which has been enjoyable. Uh, we were able to win that Test Championship. I'm not sure under normal conditions as opposed to the COVID restraints that we would have even made the final, but there we were. Uh, you can only take the opportunities that are given to you, and we took them well. Uh, we've got a. We have at the moment. Um, just, we, I think we've reached the top of our cycle. We're just going, starting to go down the other side, uh, and that means, you know, without, without Trent Bolt, he's a massive loss in his own right. Um, Kane Williamson a double hundred, and then uh, backed it up with a decent score in this Test match in Pakistan that's going on at the moment. So he may well. Uh, he's the key. Uh, how hungry Kane Williamson remains now that he's lost the captaincy, and how much longevity he's got. He's the backbone of the batting department. But we have players now. Um, you know, and we talk about our system, but our, our system has been bolstered by, and these are classic examples, Scoob, of what Jack Gallus is talking about, probably our second best player we've got at the moment, Devin Conway, South yeah. African. Uh, yeah. You know, um, learned his trade over there the hard way, comes and plays for us, um, you know, after a three-year stand-down period. And this guy, Conway, can actually play. I mean, he's seriously good international talent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm happy a bit that we've uh, had a great time. A little bit worried about the five-year plan. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for your time. We're a bit worried about what your old mate Brendan McCullum's doing with the England cricket team, given there's an Ashes series uh, coming up uh, next year. But uh, thanks so much for your time. We look forward to hearing you on SEN Cricket from 9 o'clock this morning. All good, fellas. Uh, Enjoy your day um, on the couch or whatever race meeting you go to, Scoop. All the best. Geelong. Okay, mate. You'll get the cricket on the radio down there, I'm sure. I know. It'll be in me. I'll I'll be texting you, letting you know my thoughts. Good on you, mate. Any chance you could text me a winner? You know, just for all the time's sake. We're asking the same question, Ian. We'll give you that on the way down. Leave it with me. That's why why Scoob works for the radio station, doesn't own it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Ian Smith. What a great character he is. You can hear him on SEN Test Cricket from 9 o'clock this morning. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Coming up after 8 o'clock, we're going to speak to golfer Daniel Beckman. So you win fifty grand if you win the Portsea Pro-Am. Mm. He's already won 100 yep. thanks to a hole-in-one. Yep. And he's got a great backstory. Uh, he battled cancer 
and he's just trying to uh, re-establish his career. He's 35 years of age, and uh, this is going to go a long way to doing that, uh, winning $100,000. So what a great story. We'll speak to Daniel uh, after 8 o'clock. Also, Bretton Jones, another great story. Final race of his professional career wins the Bay Crits uh, down in Geelong uh, and also questions without notice. After 8 o'clock, Coxie, stop laughing. I did butcher a couple of, couple of words there. <laughs> I heard you yesterday. You butchered a few too, so don't worry about that. But you don't cut those ones up. Uh, Daniel Beckman to join us after 8 o'clock. Nothing beats $12 a day parking. The cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome overcast Melbourne morning. We're hopeful the showers don't arrive in Sydney for day one of the third test. A beautiful day down at Portsy uh, yesterday. So Portsy Pro-Am back for the first time in 10 years. Victorian Ben Wharton leads by three shots after day one after firing a seven under 64. But the big winner... No doubt, particularly financially, was Daniel Beckman. A hole-in-one at the par three, seventh, earned him $100,000. And Daniel's been good enough to join us this morning. Hello, Daniel. G'day, mate. How are we going? Uh, well, but I'm tipping you're going better. How does it feel waking up $100,000 richer this morning? Um, I don't think it's quite sunk in yet, but it's, I don't know, it's pretty insane to think about like the odds of that actually occurring <laughs> and on that hole and it's just amazing, I don't know. Now, of course, uh, you would have been listening to the show yesterday morning. We were talking about how there was a $100,000 prize on that par 3.7. So what, when you saw the ball roll in or when you found out uh, it rolled in, you, you would have known you won a hundred grand, right? No, no <laughs> idea. I, I literally got halfway down. I could... I was uh, I don't have the best eyesight, and I'm standing on the tee. We had no idea it actually went in. We got probably halfway down the hole, and I got my my rangefinder out to see if I could see the ball, and obviously saw that it wasn't there, so it must have gone in. And one of my playing partners, Darren, comes over, puts his arm around me, and goes, "Mate, you do know you just won a hundred grand." I had no idea there was even a prize up for grabs. It was insane. Yeah. I'll keep going because Simon uh, just having a little coughing fit <laughs> as we as we speak. Uh, what does it mean to you, Daniel? Uh, just tell us your backstory for for a start. As you, you battled cancer, uh, T cell lymphoblastic lymphoma, um, which was yep. given a sixteen percent chance of survival at the start. So just take us a little bit through uh, your backstory with your health battles, first of all. Yeah, sure. So um, I, do, I got diagnosed when I was uh, twenty eight, um, which is pretty old for that type of cancer it's a, it's a pretty rare one but um it's a pretty aggressive one also so um i basically found out on a thursday i was working full time at the time um and i started chemo on the friday it, it sort of all turned around that quickly um and yeah i was in there for for three years um in the uh, Libby newton john uh hospital just in heidelberg in melbourne and, um, yeah, I was obviously lucky enough to fight it off. And, and I kind of said to myself, if I, you know, if I make it through this, I'm going to give golf another shot and, you know, I'm back out here playing again. So, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Daniel, where were you with the golf pre your diagnosis? Yeah, so I, I, I started playing when I was young, when I was like 12 years old. I had, I had a pretty solid amateur career and I turned pro at 21. Um, I played on the One Asia Tour for a few years um, and in Japan. 
then I stopped playing golf for a little bit. I just needed a bit of a break and a bit of a change. Um, I started working full time. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of, that all happened and it kind of, I guess, kicked my ass enough that I uh, decided that, you know, I needed a change and, and golf, I still like love as a, my passion, I guess, in life and um, decided that, you know, could give it another shot. So went to tour school that year and uh, luckily enough to get my card and, yeah, back out of your plan again. So pretty crazy. Are you a different player now to what you were? Oh, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Like a lot more, obviously, patient, a lot more, uh, I guess, mature for sure. Um, you know, you don't sweat the big stuff, I guess, because, you know, after going through something like that, it's, it changes your perspective on life a little bit. Like you do realise life is pretty short and, you know, it could be obviously, uh, you know, taken away from you at any time. So may as well do the most or, or do what you love in life rather than doing something to kind of pay the bills. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying being back out here playing again full time. And Dan, do you find already that 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 helps you to be a a calmer body when you when you're playing a game of golf? You know, even to to a situation of standing over a putt today that you yeah. know may may put you you know in front in the Portsy Pro Am. Uh, do you feel you're a more controlled person? I uh, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that kind of. Um, when you look at the big picture, uh, you know, playing golf, like we all love it. And obviously being a professional, we all have very high expectations of ourselves, but it's, it's one of those things. It's a lot easier to kind of forgive yourself when you're not quite perfect or when you're not like don't have it that day or something like that. You don't, you just don't sweat it as much because it's not like it's, it's golf at the end of the day. It's a game and, um, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like when you come home. You know, I get to still see my my partner. I get to still see my dog, my my dad. You know, my brother. So, you know, it's 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 one of those things that kind of yeah, like I said, puts everything in a, in a much different perspective than what it used to. Yeah, I like this quote. Uh, you did an article with Golf Australia magazine about twelve months ago, and you said, "I go out there and nothing is a big deal. What I was going through was life and death. This is not life and death. You hit a bad shot. Who cares? Am I going to die yeah. if it's in the rough? No, I'm not. Exactly right. That's one hundred percent correct. Yeah, and Definitely. it'd be fa- it'd be fair to say. Um, if you had a bit more cash in your pocket, you probably wouldn't be playing at Portsy uh, this week. You'd be over at Q School trying to get back on that Asian tour. So now that you've got that $100,000, what does it mean? Well, what are you going to do with it, first of all? And what does it actually mean for your golf? Uh, so basically, it's just going to help me stay out here for longer, to be completely honest with you. That, that's all it is, really, um, at the end of the day, just trying to keep yourself out here for as long as possible. Um, so really, that gives you kind of like, it makes definitely the next few years a lot easier. That's 100%. Like, for, for any of us that are out here playing, especially in Australia, trying to get to, like, a bigger tour like Corn Ferry or DP World Tour or Asia or wherever it might be, wherever you want to end up, it just makes that process a lot easier because golf, at the end of the day, is a very expensive sport to play. Like, there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of hire cars and flights and, and accommodation and all those costs add up pretty quickly. So it just helps us kind of – it helps alleviate that, that stressful part of the job, I guess. Daniel, in a perfect world, where, where where is the tour you end up on in the next mm-hmm. two or three years? Oh, I'd love to be on the European tour. That's always been a dream of mine. Um, obviously, like following guys like Adam Scott and, and, and that type of path, like they obviously all started there. Obviously, ended up on the PJ tour at the end of the day. But I think everyone, like if you're a professional golfer and you're not aiming for the PJ tour, like that is the biggest stage. Mm. But um, in, in the short term, definitely I'd love to be 
kind of on that uh, on the European tour or even Asian tour would be great just to kind of give myself a good stepping stone up there. Speaking of professional golfer Daniel Beckman, hole in one yesterday at the Portsea Pro-Am, $100,000 in his back pocket. So $100,000, Daniel, does that all go to golf? You mentioned you've got a partner. Is there anything uh, special in store for her, potentially with the money? Um, uh, well, like, we'll have to see. I, I Honestly, I've no, I still haven't even processed, really, that it's occurred. So, But, yeah, definitely. That would be definitely a present for her, 100%. And did any, uh, we know it's a pro-am. We spoke to Brendan Goddard yesterday. We know he hits a, a very good golf ball. We saw on the news last night, Max Gorn looks like he was spraying them everywhere. Rory Lobb was missing two-foot putts. Uh, did, did any of the other sports people down there do anything good with the golf club in hand yesterday? Do we know? Um, honestly, uh, like when we look at the scores, we only really see our professional kind of <laughs> scores. Obviously, Betty Warden had a great day yesterday and, and uh, like Matty Yeager and the boys, but... It's um, honestly coming out here, like playing, especially when you're playing with some amateur partners, it's more just of a fun day. Like we just try and make sure that they're having a good time. And, and, you know, afterwards, like I stuck around for pretty much the entire day yesterday with those guys, and had a few beers with them, had a chat and all that type of thing. Yeah. It was honestly that the, 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 what they have going down here at Portsea has been uh, like, especially yesterday was so much fun. They've had a band on last night and yeah, it was good. Really good day. Any sympathy for uh, Michael Wright? He got a hole in one yesterday, just at the wrong hole. No, a hundred <laughs> yeah. grand, no car, nothing. Yeah, yeah, mate. Sometimes it's all about timing and luck, I guess. Right? Like you just got to do it at the right time and get lucky. Well, Simon and I wouldn't know because we never had a hole in one. How many? How many have you had, uh, Daniel? Uh, this is my sixth. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> Sorry, oh. <laughs> so, I know. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> I get that response a lot when I say that. Funnily enough. Old style square toed footy boot, and you just kicked me straight in the gut. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm tipping uh, you probably, have you ever got any money for the previous five hole in ones you've scored? No, no. This is this is my first hole in one in a professional event. So um, I, I guess just doing it at the correct time on the correct hole was the, was the winning, uh, winning out. But uh, no, nah, the rest of them were just in local comps when I was a bit younger, maybe uh, things like that. So. What time are you hitting off today, Daniel? Uh, we're off at ten thirty today. Right. Who are you who are you playing your round with today? Are you in twos or threes? Uh, it's, we're in threes. Um, I'm playing with David Branson and DJ Loper. Right. Okay. Ah, well, yeah. David was playing with Brendan Goddard yesterday. Mm. So we see you on yeah. top of the leaderboard by the end of the day, <laughs> mate. Look, we'll have to go out there and definitely give it a good nudge. Um, obviously, Benny is seven under, and I'm only one, so. I've definitely got a lot of work to do, that's for sure. Uh, Daniel, well done. Just just on the health, so is it f- uh, remission for about four years now? So I'm assuming is it just a 12-month checkup? What do you have to do with the health these days? Um, so it's more just uh, every every so often casual checkups. Um, it's once every six months now. Uh, I go in for like blood tests. I go see my hematologist to make sure everything's still okay. Um, but that, that'll become less and less as the kind of time goes on. Um, once they, once you get past five years, they notify you that that's class is being cured. So um, then it'll just be if I feel unwell or I might feel some of the same symptoms, I've got to go back in and see them. But from there, it's kind of just business as usual and hopefully like nothing kind of rears its ugly head again. Good luck, Daniel. Yeah, awesome, Daniel. Uh, well done. It's a great story. Good luck out there today. And as we you know, we hope to see you on, on a tour, uh, whether it's Asia or Europe, uh, very shortly. Uh, thanks so much for your time. 
No worries. Thanks, guys. Great to chat to Daniel Beckman. $100,000 uh, for a hole in one uh, yesterday, and it's going to be uh, very important for his career. So well done to, to Daniel, but he's got some work to do to catch Ben Wharton. Seven under 64 leads by three. Uh, former former Portsea uh, member, so he knows the course very nicely. Oh, uh, is he? Mm. Tough course, Portsea. Never played Portsea. You played Portsea? Tough course. What do you hit off? A fair few. <laughs> fair few. <laughs> A what were the weaknesses in would, my bag? The clubs? Yep. Mm. Putter? Yep. Three, four, <laughs> seven. What would they handicap you for this event? Hence, no invite. Yeah. <laughs> those, you know, those crowds that line the side? I wouldn't let them stand the there. Fairway? Yep. Right, look out, me. It'll be it's dangerous. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be getting too me. close if I'm spectating a pro am. Staying way out of the Absolutely. road. Absolutely. Hey, let's get the latest uh, odds from Sportsbet. Happy place. Go to a happy place. Nothing beats $12 a day parking. The cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer breakfast. The Charlie Battisti & Co. Melbourne's finest facility for the repair of prestige German vehicles. Get your repair process started. Questions without notice. Welcome back to the show. Just having a look at uh, on Twitter here, there's some footage of the World Darts final going on at the mm-hmm. moment. Who's in it? Uh, it is uh, Michael Van Gerwen and uh, someone with the surname Smith. I'm sure someone will fill me in on the first name. 20 combined 180s already. That's a high standard wow. of darts. When did, darts, when did darts become such a big thing? 20 years ago. It's always been fun. But massive crowds, television coverage. 20 years ago, that wasn't a thing, right? Pommy pubs have always loved darts. Oh, of course. It's perfect pommy sport. Love it. Any other sort of recreations like that that we could turn into a big sport? Totem tennis, maybe? Table tennis? Yeah, table tennis. Is... No. It's just amazing how popular it's become and how many people watch it and talk about it. Did you say totem tennis? Yeah. In the pub? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying a sport that's... Yeah, like, as you're walking up to well, order darts your beer, is, you might get a tennis ball. It starts a sport. It's more a recreation, right? Recreational sport. Should it no. be in the Olympics? If it's a sport. No. There's a question without notice. Darts should be in the Olympics. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I've got an interesting question for you this morning, and I I'll don't be the want judge you that. to take this as oh, you're having a go because I'm oh, not. Hey, I'm not sensitive. I'm not. But what's the best way in the modern age for for football clubs and coaches and those speaking on a club's behalf to manage expectations? So, like we listened to Pat Cummins yesterday, and mm-hmm. you know, we've said something, you know, Pat, give us something. Yeah, you know, that was mm-hmm. other than that. Roller going by that was about as interesting <laughs> as it got. How do you manage those expectations these these days, and, and the want for people wanting information? We see it every morning. They want more and more and more. How, how do you do like do that? Like, you know, when do we hear from your coach, for example? When does that? When does he start to? Well, he's done one. Talk? Brad Scott, uh, when all the players were back. I, I don't know why they worry about it so much. Just talk. Well, Carlton players have been pretty upfront so far this summer. They're aiming big. They're aiming high. Top four. 
It doesn't hurt to talk about it, does it? Why are we so worried about, oh, we say that, what happens if we, like, it doesn't come off and people come back and remind us of our comments? Who cares? Oh, yeah, so I don't, I'm off your page a bit there. I think you've got to be careful what you say. You you set those expectations too high. The the media pressure that comes. If you say, oh, no, we're top four, and let's say Carlton have a one-four start. I mean, everyone's all over everyone at the club. What's the problem? Oh, they they didn't recruit right. So it it brings all that outside noise. So it's, it's controlling the outside noise and the narrative, but giving enough that everyone's happy. Mm. I don't know if that it's a tough, that it's a tough can, balance can be found. Mm. It's a tough balance, but if for a team like Carlton, it's realistic for them to say we want to finish in the top four. It's not for North Melbourne, but for Carlton, it is. Don't worry about if if if. if why do we always? This is a problem, I reckon. We always go the negative angle. Oh, what happens if it doesn't happen? Well, what happens if it does? But if it doesn't happen, the out because of the scrutiny. They're trying to manage the scrutiny. Don't worry about the scrutiny. Well, you can't not manage the scrutiny because all your members start listening to Julian DeStute this morning on the radio say dot, 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 and they just it, – it starts. The, the snowball starts to build. Don't worry about it. But they have to worry Don't about worry it. Don't worry about it. it costs people living. If you know and, what you're doing players, internally, it's players, okay. their careers. If the message is, is consistent internally. If you're one and four, who cares? It's five games in. Well, then they shouldn't you talk to us. You can turn the season around. Why would they talk to us then? There's no need to talk to us. Because they're talking to the members. They're not talking it, to we're us. We're going to make up the narrative anyway if, if that's the way it's going to go. We'll the, just make it they're up. Talking to the, they're talking to their fans and members, not us. So what used to annoy me when coaches gave nothing. It's like, well, the media don't really care. But your members do. They're the ones that have an emotional uh, stake in what you're doing. Hmm. Mm. Uh, but it is a tough balance. It, it is a it tough is a, balance it, between giving something and not giving too much. Yeah. Yeah, like, but I think we are too much on the side of not giving anything. Okay. That's, but uh, I think it will change because I think the modern player, uh, the young player, is very influenced by American sport these days where they are far more open mm. and have to be more open because they can be interviewed basically at any time. Mm. Well, St Kilda's young guy, I thought he was great. Oh, His first day at the club, he Oh, he's fantastic. This, that's the sort of young guy we want to see come into the system. Mm. Old Philippou. Yeah. yeah. Matthias Philippou. And he's spoken, he's pretty confident, and he's spoken confidently about what he can do. Yeah, no, interesting. I mm. just uh, was interested in your thoughts because, you know, we're coming up. I, I think the season's going to be a ripper. It's going to be a cracker. Gonna be just so even, and there's a lot of sides going to be pushing for the eight. It's really going to come down to, you know, last couple of games of the year. This is the. Just the way I see it, I'm. I think everyone's. You know, there's a lot of clubs are going to have really good expectations right through the year. There's mm-hmm. still a chance, you know, not just mathematical chance, mm-hmm. but genuine chance of of playing finals. I think, I think that middle row is going to be as competitive as we've ever seen it. Okay, here's a question with that notice. Someone on the Forty Winks temper pointed out earlier that our two clubs, Essendon and St Kilda, sort of go in in similar fashion next year. New coaches. Um, coming off disappointing years, I'll put it to you that the the red and blacks will finish higher than the red, white and blacks in season 2023. We piss off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you might. No, will we? I'm not? not being drawn into your... It's just a quick prediction. ...football club 
stuff. <laughs> you've now the technical 6,696 days since you've played in the final. Do you want me to go back how long since you won a no, flag in days? you didn't write it down like I did yesterday, did you? I'll have to add it up I'll have to re-add it up. I'll have to add I'll give you another quick one before we get to the news. Uh, Australia quite often don't have a great record in dead rubber tests. So I'll put it to you that South Africa will take this one the distance. Oh. This will go five days. If rain helps them, mm. they might. Their, their batting lineup is horrible. It's horrible. No, nothing. Elgar averages 36 or 38, and then I think the next best is about 25. You, you can't have a top six in test cricket like that. So it's horrible. So it would have to be right out of the box. And I think Mother Nature helping a lot for this to go to a, a fifth day, even if it's spinning. You know, I think they'll struggle with they'll struggle with Lyon again. Um, you know, Agar, what he brings to the table would be really interesting. The, the left arm over and round the wicket. He doesn't mind which which side of the wicket he bowls. This, this, you know, I, I just don't think they're up to it, batting wise. Mm. And what you know, the number three's gone home. Is Wife was having a yep. first base, so that's another change in the order. They haven't, you know, it's not as if they've flown someone out who's you know been averaging mm. well, no forty-eight one. in Test cricket because there mm. isn't anyone. Mm. So it's a bit makeshift. They're top six at the moment, and they've got to do the best of it. And the skipper's got to make some runs. You know, Elgo's the one that's got to lead the way. So he needs a he needs a century here in the first innings, not the second. The first, say, come on, boys, mm. come with me on this bit of a journey here over the next five days. Let's give it all we got. Yeah, I think they might push us in this test match, but uh, we will see. Let's get the latest now from Anna Pavlou in the newsroom. That was questions without notice for Charlie Battisti and Co. Melbourne's most trusted repairer of prestige German vehicles. Thank you, Anna. Fair point off the 40 Winks uh, temper from Paul. There's not really dead rubber tests anymore because you still play for points towards the World Test Championships. And Australia win Good this. Point. They're basically in to the final of the World Test Championships. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if I'm Frank Lampard, manager of Everton. Getting a bit nervous in my seat. 15th on the table. Currently 4-0 down at home to Brighton. We're having a very good season. Arsenal-Newcastle as we tick into stoppage time, 0-0. Uh, Fulham lead 1-0 against Leicester after 88 minutes. And Manchester United 2-0 up against Bournemouth at home after 74 minutes. I'll put it to you that uh, things like darts are games, not sports. Yeah, I think that's fair Chess, and reasonable. pool. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. Please don't say they're going to be in the Olympics. Well, break dancing's in the Olympics. What? Break dancing's in the next Olympics in Paris. Who said? Yeah. <laughs> the international the International Olympic Committee. Break dancing has been chosen to feature on the Paris 2024 Olympic program. It's a new sport along with surfing. It's an April Fool's Day. Skateboarding. It's an April Fool's and Day. And sport climbing. Has no, it's in. Be. It's been discussed several times. It's in. Breakdancing. Yes, that's right. Now, that's not a sport. No, that's it. I'm off. <laughs> Frank in Walt Turner wants to talk about something far more sensible. Uh, he might be a breakdancer himself. I don't know. Uh, he wants to talk about the South African batting lineup. G'day, Frank. Yeah, g'day, guys. Yeah, look, I was listening to Johnny Rose. I don't know if Simon heard it as well. He was talking about, I can't remember the guy's name, young guy's name, but he was uh, topping the batting averages back in South Africa. And um, he never got selected for the team, and they're really struggling for batting at the moment. I mean, I would have thought logical thing would be to either fly him over, or you know, they should have selected him. You know, they, you, you play your best batsman, don't you? 
I mean, you select your best batsman. If the guy's topping the averages, well, mate, it's a logical thing, isn't it? I can't work out what's going on over there. Frank, the name will come to me. You're quite right. He's dominant. I think he's made four centuries in the in their domestic competition. They didn't bring him because he had some ankle soreness. They had an issue with an ankle. So they said, oh, no, he won't be fit enough to get through it all. But he's got through their domestic season without a problem. So I'm sure they're now looking back, ruining the fact they didn't bring him uh, because uh, he, he's in really good form. And that name will come to me. I'll, I'll search it. Uh, yeah, I'm having a look Twinkleton? at Twinkleton? Don't know. Rick Rickleton? Yeah, I'll I'll do some more research, Frank. But you, you're spot on. He's the bloke. Uh, Rick I'm, Rickleton. I'm sure you're talking about. I don't know whether Rick from Greensboro wants uh, the darts to be going uh, into the Olympics. Uh, Rick, well, no, you're I a dart he, fan, yeah, are I'm you? I'm not sure. I think he might be taking me on here, Rick. Simon, I uh, let me let me explain myself here. I uh, used to be a former elite athlete, if you if you want, um, and I've taken up. Uh, Darts a few years ago, play comp every Wednesday night, and uh, I've got to tell you, I played the other day with with my mate, who's also in the team, and we just had a social game. I did six point seven nine kilometres in sweltering heat in the shed. Not going to tell you, I was in danger of dropping a kilo there for a minute. So you reckon it's a sport, Rick? I don't know whether it's a sport or not. It's grass fun. But I'll give you the tip. I've gone up, I've gone home buggered after dark. You know, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. And if I drop a dart, I've got to the stage now where I count it as a, bit, as a push-up when I drop a dart. And, but, uh, and you're, talking about, you're talking about the ones you throw, not the ones you smoke, I'm assuming there, uh, Rick. I'm assuming there. Look, I'll tell you what, the, some of the venues, I'm a non-smoker, but some of the venues we play in, oh, I'll goodness. give you the tip. Oh, uh, but, uh, no, we've got a pretty, uh, I'm part of a donut, uh, the group, uh, a dart team called the Gonads. So we've got Martin Pike and Jason Baldwin and Mark Zanotti, he, he, oh, he plays a, a little bit. One of the great so Martin Zanotti. Yeah, we've we got an all-star lineup. We all take it pretty seriously. But, you know, we bring each other up and go, do you want to come over and have a, have a throw? And sometimes someone says to the other one, can't be bothered. So that means it's an effort. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your call, Rick. Uh, I love it. Uh, very, very good. Uh, Ryan Rickleton was the name of that cricketer. That's you, were the, tr- you were close. The batter. Rick Rickleton. You are yeah. a pretty good break dancer back in your day, weren't you? No. You broke a lot of hearts on the dance floor, I hear. I'm not sure it was break dancing. Hopeless dancer. Hopeless dancer. Unless I have... Something that's enthusing me to dance. An old colleague of mine had a good saying about dancing for men. A man that dances doubles his chances. Wow. It's not bad. Wow. So you were the first at the school. I'm the worst dancer you will ever see. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, No, 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 no. Uh, After the break, we're going to talk to Bretton Jones, the winner of the Bay Crits down in Geelong yesterday. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast. 
Simon, when I go back to the AFL last year, I think of Josh Kennedy, the perfect uh, send-off. Eight goals in his final game of AFL footy. Well, uh, in the world of cycling, Brenton Jones has just had the perfect send-off. His last professional race, and he wins the Bay Crits by the narrowest of margins uh, yesterday. And Brenton's been good enough to join us this morning. Uh, Brenton, good morning and congratulations. Good morning, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, it was the perfect send-off. I still can't believe it. And, I t- and did it. By the barest possible margin yesterday, just uh, just take us through the final stages of, of that race and uh, how aware of you were of how tight it was and and just how it all unfolded for you over that the, the final couple of laps there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, those final couple of laps, I, I think I was actually starting to pinch myself. I knew I, knew I was going to win. I think I had that confidence um, and I had that self-belief to really um, back myself in those final few laps and have uh, my teammate Blake Quick, who was the, the 2022 winner, uh, supporting me and guiding me all the way to the last 150 metres. Um, and I knew Blake was going to put me in the right place. I knew I had to win the race. If I didn't, uh, Graham would have won the won the tour. Um, and also, if he finished second, he would have won the tour. And it was my other teammate, ex-teammate from last year, same as Graham, Blake Agnoletto, who got uh, second on the stage yesterday. He beat Graham by about a tie width. And that was enough for me to win the overall. So you couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, I think it's great for the sponsors in the event. Obviously, for myself too, I'm, I'm so proud to have won the, won the race overall. The final stage was enough. I think I would have been happy to win the stage. I see Graham win the overall. I would have been so proud of him as well. Um, but for Blake to, to just keep Graham and win the overall tour, uh, equal points, uh, was fantastic. When did you know Blake had pipped Graham? How quickly did you know that had happened? I think one of the photos uh, you may have seen or you will see. I'm looking back. I've got a yeah. I've seen that one. I'm looking. I'm looking back and I'm I'm seeing Blake. I'm seeing Graham. I said, "Oh my God, that's going to be so close." It's a photo finish. I'm not sure, but Blake. I think Blake. I think knew, and I think Graham did too. You saw Graham's head. He bobbed down. I think as a cyclist, you know, um, even though it's so close, you you do know, um, even if it's a millimeter. Um, and Blake looked at me and he said, mate, I cannot believe you just did that. And I think he knew himself he got second. Um, and we all knew that if I got first and Graham was third or higher, um, or worse, sorry, he, he wouldn't win the tour overall. Um, and uh, I think we, we kind of all knew that. Um, and it wasn't until the final photo came through, the chief judges and the commissaires at the timing confirmed it, um, that I didn't really let it sink in. But I kind of, in the back of my mind, knew. Um, I think Graham's interview as well with Mac, with uh, McKenzie, he, he was shocked himself to, to think he won. So I think everyone knew deep down that I think I, I got it done, but it was just until it got confirmed that we, we could relax and really enjoy it. Brenton, your second win, 2014 was your first. Uh, you're bringing a, an end to a to a cycling career. With a win like that, does that um, put you back on top to say, oh, no, we might go a bit longer yet? Oh, look, it's a hard one, hard one, guys. Uh, I've got a... I've got a baby due any minute in the next week or two. I want to enjoy that moment as much as I can. And I think I want to put my family in. And uh, the priorities are, are changing quite uh, quite significantly. I want to spend a lot of time with the juniors coming forward now in the future of the sport. And I'd love to keep racing. I would love to sign a pro contract and continue racing overseas. But um, I literally get as much satisfaction out of watching one of my athletes win um, and seeing the next generation come through than I do winning myself. Um, and I think that's where I'm in my career at the moment. And after today, yesterday's performance, I think I'm really, really happy to settle with that. Um, the Bay Crits has been a special part of my career, and to finish on a very high note like that, um, I'm quite satisfied. It's probably an understatement to say, uh, Brenton, that the Bay Crits have been a big part of your career. Just take us through your 
your family's involvement uh, with the race. Yeah, yeah. So obviously my mum, Karen Jones, has been the event director and uh, for many, many years. Um, she is a successful events management company and she's been the, the heart of the Bay Crits as well as John Chavara for many, many years since I was on the sidelines actually watching my, my heroes and idols in Robbie McEwen and uh, Mark Renshaw, Graham Brown, everybody that was been a part of the, the years and the, the future uh, or the, the, the career back in, the, in those days. I was on the sidelines helping put the barriers up watching them, getting their autographs, having a photo, thinking one day I could be there myself. Uh, here I am many years later, 20 years later, um, with two victories in the overall race itself, uh, which is, again, it's, it's a bit surreal. I can't believe it right now. Um, so it started from then. Uh, my dad, who the Finnish gantry, he, he designed that. He made that. He, he builds stuff 24-7 uh, in his engineering business and all those frames you see the gantries the finished gantries at the national championships coming up this week the bay crits the hell sun tours the cadell's race he, he's designed those finished gantries he makes them um and that's just mum and dad uh, my brothers are involved as well mitchell <laughs> and jared helping set up <laughs> uh, my sister-in-law my wife lucy she's been doing the media for previous years obviously not this year when she's 38 weeks pregnant but, uh, you know, the whole family's been a part of it. Um, and I've always said that, you know, John Chavar is a, he's like a second father. You know, he's a second father to, to me. He's, a, he's always supported me growing up since I was a little boy when I was nine years of age on the sidelines. And he gave me a big hug last night and said, well done, mate. And, um, yeah, it's, it's always going to be a special part of this event for me. And uh, Lucy, your wife, as you mentioned, uh, expecting uh, any time now. Uh, got a bit emotional. I mean, no, it's, a, it's an emotional time yeah. for women when they're just about to give birth. But uh, pretty emotional yeah. for her yesterday. Uh, she can't hide back the tears. She she loves to, <laughs> to let her emotions out and enjoy it and uh, and you know take it all in. I think she said everyone she spoke to last night she had a had a cry too. So um, it's nice to see her emotions coming out. Uh, she's had a big big few weeks and a big few months, but a big few weeks to come as well. Uh, so now it's just about supporting her, making sure she gets through it okay, uh, successful delivery, and uh, we can enjoy that moment together. But um, she's been a part of my career. She's lived overseas. She's been in France by herself, not been able to speak the language too much whilst I've been in China racing for five weeks. Uh, she's had as much hard times as I have, um, and I'm incredibly proud of her as well for what she's done and, and, and given to me. Uh, so now it's time to work together and, uh, and have a baby come in the next few weeks. Well, Brenton, well done. Uh, life's pretty good at the moment. Uh, great way to finish your professional career. You, you, you work with Australian Cycling, coaching the next generation of athletes, so still plenty to do uh, in the sport and a very exciting time uh, in your personal life as well. Uh, good luck uh, with the child uh, on the way and congratulations again for winning the Bay Crits for the second time. For sure. Awesome. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good on you, Brenton. What a story. And uh, well done to the female winner as well, Ruby Roseman Gannon. She's won it two years in a row. She won the first two stages, not in the top five yesterday, but uh, didn't have to be. So she won it uh, comfortably. So well done to Brenton Jones and also Ruby Roseman Gannon. Uh, of course, Australia's Best Cyclers are now in Ballarat. It starts on January 6th. Don't miss the 2023 Road Cycling National Championships. And I always remember Melbourne Airport parking. Nothing beats $12 a day parking at Melbourne Airport and Country Racing Victoria. Summer and Country Racing. Visit countryracing.com. Nothing beats $12 a day parking, the cheapest, most convenient and flexible option. Summer Breakfast.
Almost done for summer breakfast. Just about to hand over to the team at the SCG, of course, led by Jared Waitley for the third test, the pink test uh, between Australia and South Africa. All over in the Premier League this morning. Uh, first versus third, a stalemate between Arsenal and Newcastle. Zip, zip, so good point for Newcastle. On the road, a bad night for Everton. They were booed at the final whistle, losing at home 4-1 to Brighton. Uh, Fulham having a good season back in the Premier League, 1-0. Uh, away to Leicester and Manchester United with a comfortable 3-0 victory at home to Bournemouth. So it means Arsenal eight points clear at the top. Man City have a game in hand. Manchester United now five points clear of Spurs in fourth. And uh, down the other end, Everton just one point off the relegation zone. One point ahead of West Ham, your boys, that are in action tomorrow against Leeds. Yes. Yes, uh, Leeds, Leeds are playing at home tomorrow against West Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can tell you is Sydney, a maximum of 25 today. Mm-hmm. It's clear at the minute. Yeah, it looked all right it's up clear. on the TV. Yeah, the radar mm-hmm. looks clean Nothing. as a whistle. So I'm, well, that's I'm good. thinking we're away on time, so the boys will be ready to go after this program, ready to um, take us through the first day of the third test match. What does, Hell yeah. What does Pat do if he wins the toss today? He will be batting. So no decision to make here. It's just no, a bat, batting. bat first. Yep. Got, a, got away with the bowling a couple of times. He'll be batting. Are you of the Ian Chapel school that you pretty much bat first always? Or? Um, I don't know. Pitches. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, could, you could not have bowled in Brisbane. You just could not have. No, that would have been silly. And then with the weather that was coming on day two in Melbourne, they wanted to make inroads into that batting lineup on a day one pitch and then get them out in the heat on day two. It worked perfectly. So Pat Cummins, is, he and his tacticians are going beautifully just at the minute. Mm. Absolutely beautifully. Oh, you'd be happy to send this mob in most yeah. of the time. And this morning, if he wins the toss again, he'll just say, we'll bat. Won't even hesitate. Just say, we will bat. Just for um, Adam Cooney's sake, who do you think will win the toss? Australia. Yeah. He's in good form. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Good form. Good form. Well, we'll discuss all the action. Cricket is back. Uh, How excited (laughs) are you about this afternoon? And um, who wins the toss? I suggest Adam didn't do a lot of research with that chat before Barat Sunder Racing, if that's what he's coming out with. Excuse me? (laughs) Wasn't going far, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, Enjoy day one of the cricket. Uh, The SCN team just about to take you through it.